Hey, what's up, everybody? It's the Old School Gym Radio Podcast. I'm back. It's Coach Myers. I got my co-host here, Nettie G, the business boss that keeps all the gym bros in check. What's up, Nettie G? What's going on, D? And uh, <laughs> that's, that's classic, right? <laughs> Love it. And we got my man, Corey G, with us today. Corey G, what up? What up? What up? Glad to be here. Excited. Like, you know, I've been doing podcasts for a long time, but I've never done it with y'all two before, so it's exciting. Well, I think I think anytime too, you get me and G in the same room. I mean, there, there's no telling where the stories can go or what we're going to talk about. What do you What do you want us to talk about today, Nettie? Well, I'm super excited for this one. Um, you guys have been my business partners for like two and a half years. Every time I'm around you, I hear a new story about OSG and you guys <laughs> being partners. And I, I just want to bring it to everybody else because I know I enjoy them. And I'm sure that everybody else out there that's a part of the OSG family is just going to love what you guys are going to bring today. We're going to take it way back. We're going to start the early years before Dustin and Corey even knew each other or knew mm-hmm. of each other. So if you guys independently, I kind of want you to... Uh, Tell our listeners how you initially came into weightlifting, you know, through your your family. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, I think that's one of the themes that I want to keep coming back to on this podcast. Anytime we have guests on here, I want to kind of get to the root of like, what, where did the love for training, where did the love for weightlifting come from? You know, and I think that's something that's very important to OSG because that's, you know, with me and Corey, both of us, you know, I think it started really early. So I'll, I'll kind of start with mine, then G, you can kind of go sure. into your, these are our origin stories, right? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, so... I mean, I, I've, I've told bits and pieces of it before, as a lot of people know, you know, I grew up, you know, watching my dad weight lift um, out in the garage. We, we had this old, you know, detached garage at the house I grew up in. And, you know, he had weights out there and some of the, a lot of the weights were homemade. You know, his squat rack was homemade, his lap pull down, all that stuff was homemade. So a guy welded it for him in the mill. And he would, you know, come home from work from the steel mill and whether it was you know, summertime in 90 degrees or wintertime in zero, he was out there and he would lift weights every day. He had one of those old, you know, torpedo heaters he'd put in the garage. And in the summertime, he was still coaching football uh, for Stanton. Mm-hmm. Wasn't even Edison North yet, you know, Stanton mm-hmm. High School. And, um, you know, I don't even know if they had a weight room. I know they didn't have a strength coach because that mm-hmm. just didn't exist back then. But a lot of the athletes would come, you know, lift weights with them. Their dads would drop them off or whatever. And so it was almost like he was their unofficial personal trainer or strength coach. strength coach. Yeah, no, no one really looked at it like that back yep. then. But uh, so that's really some of my earliest memories is, you know, watching those guys out there. And I, I thought it was so cool. You know, I'm five and six years old and there's high school kids lifting weights sure. in my garage. You know, uh, J.M. Paludi, I remember was out there. And uh, man, I wish I could remember the other guys' names. They were, you know, so much older than me. It was mm-hmm. hard for me to even, even remember. But, you know, so I would watch the way they would interact. My dad would like shoot hoops with them and stuff. And he would kind of teach them their workout and they would all just kind of lift weights together. And I remember just always knowing it was something that I would be a part of eventually. I was never in like a rush or anything like that. I think I should also state too, like around the same time, my mom had a big influence on me. She was always hiking and doing yoga and doing active stuff. So I think that might be part of why, you know, as I've, you know, weightlifting is always the base, but I've always been kind of well-rounded. I think Mm -hmm. I like to do other things besides, you know, just weightlifting. But, uh, you know, I think it was just kind of inevitable. I thought, you know, okay, once you get to a certain age, you start lifting weights. Like, that's just what you do. You know, he never, like, kind of pushed it on me or anything like that. I never played any sports. So the whole time in grade school, never played football, never played Little League. I had, like, zero interest in it Mm -hmm. because I didn't grow up around it and didn't, you know, I was growing like, art and drawing and stuff. But I can remember always wanting to lift weights. And, you know, my dad would say, well, when you're 12, you can start lifting weights. And sure enough, when I turned 12, that's when I started lifting the garage. Do you remember your first workout? No, I don't. I don't remember my first workout. I do remember, though, like he had a, 
which he still has the 20 pound bar that had some yeah, whip in it. But I can remember, uh, you know, it was one of those small hole bars. Someone had made it for him at Titanium, the plant mm-hmm. in uh, Toronto. And uh, I, this wouldn't have been my first workout, but I remember when I finally got up to being able to put the 25s on that bar yeah, on bench, I could do that for five sets of five, and I thought I was really strong. So I would have been. Well, you weighed 20... like 100 pounds. So <laughs> yeah. You were strong, D. <laughs> yeah. Well, I probably weighed like 80 then. Yeah. It might have been like seventh grade, eighth grade. Yeah. But yeah, so when I could do 50 pounds plus a 20 pound bar, so 70 pounds for five by five, I thought I was strong. I remember that was like my first milestone. I think my first um, kind of recollect, recollection of anything fitness was two, twofold. I remember my dad lifting like the cement weights in the garage after he came home from work. Like the old plastic ones like that were filled up. The old plastic ones are filled up. And then I remember, I was telling Nettie this before, I remember my mom doing like exercise records, mm-hmm. which is- Wow. Yes. <laughs> like she, and it was funny because me and Rachel were just somewhere, my, my wife Rachel, and, and one of the songs came on from her record. It was like from like eight early 80s. Right. And it instantly throws me right back when I'm like, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years old. And so it's wild. I can't, I don't even know. I, I told her, I was like, I don't even know who this is, but like it flicks on and it literally, that's what's so cool about music. It takes you back, right? Mm-hmm. So I remember her literally doing like this exercise record. And then doing the rolling pin, um, doing like an ab wheel, but with a with a rolling thing you do with the, for bread. Right, right. So she didn't have an ab wheel, but that's what she did. And so I remember those things like vaguely. And then I remember my dad. My dad later told me like he benched like three and a quarter at one sixty five. He was pretty strong. Um, so I remember he he moved some good weights. The funny part is they were both in the fitness when I was young, like real young, seven eight years old. But then my grandfather at twelve or thirteen, like I'm, we moved into him with him in sixth grade is when I actually started lifting weights. And they like fell out of fitness. Like neither of them worked out as they It was got just older. kind of a fad for them at one point. They were into it young and then they, they just never continued with it where my grandpa was more of a lifestyle. Like he came home from construction every day and, and always lifted weights. And so I think at 12 when he was like, hey, it's time for you, you know, you're living here now because my parents have split up. So I'm living with my grandparents. And he's like, you know, the girls will like it. You're going to be better in sports and you build more confidence. And I was like, sold. I'm, I'll jump in with you. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I feel like is there there's a part of the story that you told me before, Corey, and I don't know mm-hmm. if this was before you met Dustin or after. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about a specific shoulder cut. How old were you yeah, when that, you saw the first? Then. It was like sixth, seventh grade. I remember <laughs> like doing my grandfather, if I think back, he really knew super basic stuff. He only did like, you know, maybe seven or eight different exercises, but one of them was upright rows. And I think like I remember in that between that sixth and seventh grade kind of area, I remember very specifically like had a wife beater on, wearing those on the regular. Um, was doing an upright row, and I remember seeing like one shoulder cut, and just like this is it, like I'm in. And I could feel myself like my confidence. I knew it was something that was going to help me long term. Plus, at the end of the day, it's just like it is now. Like when I get to work out with my son, like you're doing something with your, you know, the male figure in your life that you look up right. to. Mm-hmm. And so I look forward to it. It was cool. Well, speaking of the confidence thing, I mean that was a big thing for me weightlifting, like. You know, growing up, I was literally the smallest kid in the class every single year. And that might have been part of the reason why I didn't really gravitate towards sports. Mm-hmm. You know, because we'd play like kickball sure. in third grade in gym class and I would just get like slaughtered. Because <laughs> I was like literally half the size of all the kids. But when I first started lifting weights and I could see some muscles and I felt like physically strong, like it really helped my confidence. Sure. Because up to that point, I mean really even up until probably ninth or 10th grade, I was still like very undersized, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so that was something like, even though I was small, the fact that I, I felt, you know, physically strong and like, it really helped my confidence just in a lot of ways. 
Yeah, it, it gave me a head start on that too. I think uh, I was, you know, more involved in sports than you were, but it was one of those things where it definitely like helped my my swag a little bit as I got seventh and eighth grade. Like I started to feel stronger. <laughs> I started to look a little better in my in my basketball, you know, uh, tank top or whatever. And I definitely knew it was going to be a long term thing for me. And honestly, I think for me between that and even though I didn't have any like formal training, I hit the bag a lot. And I think it just it just helped me get out. Like I call it angry youth. You know, mm-hmm. whether it's from your parents splitting up when you're young to like, you know, I was bat like just going through things kind of on my own because my mom was always so busy working. And so like, I think it just was an outlet for me to stay out of trouble. And honestly. just your hormones are changing. Absolutely. It's confusing to people and it, yeah, it you don't confusing. really share it, it with people. It was something that I could look forward to every day that I knew would get something positive out. I didn't realize how big of an impact it was at the time because it was just like Dustin, it was just kind of like a family thing. Mm-hmm. That's just well, what you do when you're that age. I think something that'll be kind of hard for, you know, maybe some of our listeners to grasp was that like, Back then, if you wanted to learn about working out, I mean, there was no internet. No, you know, magazines. there was yeah. So you had to either look at like muscle magazines or like I know my dad had like the Pumping Iron book and the Arnold Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. So if you didn't already know someone that kind of knew something about lifting weights, like there really wasn't a lot of ways avenues for you to to kind of learn what type of workouts you should be doing. Like you really just had to educate yourself, and it was hard to to figure yeah. out what you're supposed to be doing. One of the biggest things I think um, when my mom got remarried when I was like 16 or 17. Randy um, gave me the pamphlet series of Franco Colombo, which I still have. And basically, back in the day, that was like their ebooks. Arnold, Franco, all the big bodybuilders, mm-hmm. they would do mail order, like the book of chest and, you know, nutrition from Sardinia, you know, talk about <laughs> it because, you know, Franco's Italian. So, like, that pamphlet series, which when I, I met Franco and told him I had it, I think I've got a better version of it than he does. That's and awesome. I still have it preserved at my house. There's like seven booklets, it goes through each one of their workouts. And that kind of led me down the path of doing the golden era type stuff. And that's what I saw the best results with. Nice. So let's go when you guys actually meet each other and then become friends. So you guys, you don't meet until high school. And your high school started in 10th grade, I correct? I want to hear how, du- how Dustin remembers <laughs> it. Now. I, got, I, got, right. I got a funny story. So. I, I'm interested too because I, I think there's two different stories. So we, need to, we need to get a third. Yeah, but some, I mean, somebody I'm sure else the truth from is Edison somewhere in the middle. But yeah. yeah, so... We went to different junior highs. Like our, we lived in a, you know, Edison School District was a couple different high schools that had consolidated. So even though me and Corey would end up going to high school together, we grew up, you know, at least 30 40, minutes, 30, 40 minutes apart. 30 minutes apart, probably. Um, so I had kind of heard of Corey. Like I knew who he was just because I knew that like, you know, he, um, you know, he liked to lift weights or whatever. So I think I kind of heard through the grapevine about that. He was good at sports. So probably knocking on the same chicks. There was, <laughs> there was definitely some overlap between some girls from it's different. Probably a whole nother episode. Yeah, that. yeah, that's that's something we don't really need to get that's into on this we'll one. But yeah, down. so I, I I was aware of who Corey was, and um, then when we the schools consolidated, we went to tenth grade together, and then as luck would have it, we had a lifting class together. And so I kind of knew him, and I he and was this like, isn't PE, correct? Because that was something I got confused. Class. You guys had a weightlifting class, which correct? You guys, if we look back, the stars aligned. You both actually like saw that as an option, oh. and both enrolled in it. Like, oh yeah, out well, of the that job. fast enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so we had a uh, you know uh, Coach Hoover, uh, who was uh, you know he was fresh out of playing college football. He played for Eastern Michigan. He was one of the football coaches, and he ran. And actually, I think they called it like advanced weightlifting class. Okay. So we could schedule the class and like you'd basically put us through workouts or design the workouts for us or whatever. And uh, kind of an inter- interesting. Pretty forward thinking, if you think about it, it was 20 years ago. Dave. Yeah, yeah it, wasn't, it wasn't very common. I bet a lot of high schools didn't have that. I told Nettie, I said, up here in the suburbs, they probably had like PE, whereas now. You know, I, I had advanced fitness. You had advanced fitness. Yeah, that's nice. what we would like, weightlift, yes. So, so basically, so we're in Coach Hoover's uh, weightlifting class. I was kind of aware who Corey was. And, you know, he had... 
he's I, I heard you say swag earlier back then they called it cockiness you know <laughs> so we i think we both had a little bit of that like we're the For smaller sure. guys that like to lift weights we get we think we got muscles and we're wife beaters and listen around like music, the non football players that lifted weights correct strong, yeah i think i think yeah, a lot to do with it. yeah back then i think if you weren't a football player it was kind of uncommon to like lift it weights year round for sure, sure. so uh, we had weightlifting class together, and I think one of the things Coach Hoover did was like the first week everyone had to like max out, like bench, squat, and then we did uh, you know a dip and chin up contest. Okay. And I don't think either one of us won the chin up contest. I feel like mm-hmm. there was some like random guy that beat us both on that. But um, the dip contest came down to me and you, and I, I I feel like we both of us almost got fifty, and I clipped you by maybe one or two reps. That's the way I remember it. <laughs> I, it's so funny. That's why I wanted to hear because I don't remember that at all. <laughs> what, uh, my first interaction with Dustin, I don't even know if he would remember, but was in ninth grade, actually. Uh, we were in different middle schools. Okay. But there was a dance in Richmond. <laughs> at the Grange. At the Grange. I vaguely remember this. That Dustin came out to. And I remember hearing about Dustin for the same kind of thing, like lifting weights. We started to know some of the same people because we were about to consolidate. Like our schools had just consolidated. Okay. And I remember thinking, like, man, fuck this dude. Like, I'm the, weight, I'm the weightlifting guy. Like, like, and I seen him. And plus, he's a, at that point, he's a lot smaller than me, right? Oh yeah. So, so I remember seeing him. And Dustin's uh, definitely his style was a little ahead of mine because I was still pretty country. Yeah, let's point. let's let's back it up to that. So this is the early '90s. We go to a country school, and it was not common to be a country kid or a white kid and listen to rap music at, at this all. Point. No, no, it definitely wasn't. I know that, that you would listen a little bit of rap music, whatever, but I was in it 1,000%. Dustin was in it 1,000%. I had the Carl Kanai jeans, sag down, cross colors, yeah. wearing bandanas like I'm Tupac. Like, I, I didn't really I didn't really give a fuck. No, and so, so that I liked about Dustin, but also, like, my early thing was like, okay, you know, I was just trying to figure it out. Then I remember my first actual, like, memory of, the weight, of weightlifting with Coach Hoover was, I think it was when we maxed out on bench there was a board and I believe Dustin did either 205 or 210 weighing like 130 something I think. yeah I 125 yeah I, I wrestled 119 yeah. that year so yeah. I wasn't heavier than like 120 125 because I remember I didn't cut any weight yeah. but yeah I think I, I did over 200 at yeah that you did over 200 pounds weighing like 120 nothing and I just remember thinking like all right and then I think that's where like a, a mutual respect came from like all right th- you know this is a guy that's into it like me and doesn't play football and that um, is, you know, is in it like that. And he knew a lot about it. He actually uh, knew a lot more than I did because his dad taught him more um, about back training and things. My 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 knowledge at that point was pretty pretty like limited. Well, I remember like you you were like a big like bench and curl guy. Mm-hmm. Now neither one <laughs> of, of us did legs, which <laughs> no. is kind of funny, right? No, I know. But I at least I, I think because maybe because you hadn't had the uh, the Arnold Encyclopedia yet. Yeah. And my dad had a copy of that, so I think I kind of knew more about at least how to train upper body more well rounded. Yep. So I remember when you no legs, so funny. <laughs> so um, the dip contest, I do remember. Oh, just, we're going back to that now. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> the only reason I do remember it is because then, like, I was I was happy that I, like beat you by one rep, but then I can remember like Allison Snyder was like, "Well, Corey said you didn't go down all the way." Yeah, you didn't so then there, out. Yeah. So there was a little bit of like mutual respect, but also a little bit of like rivalry. So yeah. then we we start, it was natural that we started lifting together. We yeah. were actually close to the same strength. Mm-hmm. We liked the same things. Like I said, we both like rap music. And we're kind of different from a lot of the guys in our school that way. Um, it just made sense, right? Here. It made sense. So we actually started lifting together in lifting class. And something I was telling Nettie the other day, I think you might have been, because you had that September birthday, you were mm-hmm. one of the first kids that got your license in yep. our grade. And after wrestling and basketball season ended, 
I think that's when yeah, you started coming house. down to my house to lift in the garage. And yep. I think you would even pick up on Juan, some of the other yep. guys. Yep. Uh, so you were kind of like a real catalyst to like everyone starting to come to my house after school to lift weights. Yeah, it's when we started to have like a legit crew every every night after school. And you got to figure that was like a 45-minute drive back to my house from Dustin's. We live on polar opposites of the school, school right. district. Well, probably an hour by the time you drop off Jeremy yeah. or Anwar, whoever. So, so, so you yeah. just enjoyed it that much. That was like your brotherhood, your team Absolutely. per se at that time. Yeah, that's how it all kind of started. And you got to remember where we grew up, there was nothing to do. So yeah. like this was like the social thing, even a couple buddies that didn't lift weights they would come and hacky sack or shoot hoops and yeah and then my dad would like cook spaghetti for us it's or like a positive my mom would bring home pizza or whatever yeah it was like our after school hangout and i'm sure your parents were were happy that you guys were hanging out i mean they're you're at home at home at someone's home possibly not out on right. the streets <laughs> i remember kind of like just having free reign at that point I don't <laughs> my mom was so busy working i mean right. she was just happy i wasn't locked up i think we were staying out of trouble for the most part, which was good. Yeah, for the most part, for sure. <laughs> gotcha. So at this point, um, you guys go all through high school together. Mm-hmm. Um, you're lifting at your dad's gym. You're, you're lifting at Edison High School. I know you had a friend, Kelly Romney. You're going to her dad's basement, too, mm-hmm. I think, and lifting there. Yeah. Did you kind of just have, like, I was trying to think about it, because I went out there with you a couple times to Kelly's dad's house and yeah, I in the basement. Ke- I, like, Kelly was my girlfriend, like, I think eighth grade, ninth grade. So that's how I knew her. And she lived by leg. And it was kind of like her dad just would let you come over and lift whenever you wanted, right? Yeah, so it started off when I was dating her cousin. <laughs> <laughs> her dad lifted too. Okay. And then basically, she was, you know, and then basically, um, uh, Kelly's dad said, yeah, I got a, he had a homemade gym where he had like built all kinds of equipment. He still has all it's that. Super I sick. Think, yeah. And so when we went to Kelly's house, like I couldn't wait to lift because it was even probably more equipped than even maybe the school gym at that time. I mean, it was pretty sick. Right. What they had. So I think, yeah, we have that one picture of me and Dustin. I think that was at a part. We were at a party and we just went down and like hit, hit some weights and got a quick flex on. And I, and I love that you guys are still friends with Kelly like oh, to this yeah. day. And she's and actually she's in the fitness. fitness yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's cool there. No, Kelly um, still looks good. She's done great. So the, more, the moral of the story is parents, if you have your kids around weightlifting, they're probably <laughs> going to be weightlifters. Yeah. And I, mean, I, I think it's important just like you know, lifestyle thing that I picked up and it was kind of weird because like I said, my family never carried it on except for my grandpa, but I just, I caught on so quick with it. But Dustin's dad and mom have stayed with it the whole time. Pretty yeah, much. for sure. I mean, my dad still lifts weights. You know, my mom's still, you know, is big into hiking and yoga and Pilates and stuff like that. So, um, but the, the weird thing is, you know, you're looking back definitely like through high school, I never looked at it as like a means for anything else other than like wanting to have big muscles, wanting to look good. Want to look like Marky Mark. Yeah, Mark Wahlberg. No, that's, I mean, you said he's, I mean, he was, he was, he was it during that time. Yeah, yeah, I never thought of it as a career thing. Yeah, so the Marky Mark thing is, I can remember this is when I first, I was probably in like maybe eighth grade at this point, I'm starting to get a little bit of muscles and I can remember that's when the Calvin, the infamous like Marky Mark Calvin mm-hmm. Klein ad campaign good came vibrations. out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's on, like, I remember seeing the commercial on TV and he's like in his underwear looking ripped. And, uh, I remember just thinking like, that's what I want to look like. Mm-hmm. And I went, my sister had, I forget, it's like Tiger Beat or something. It was like some like teen, teen magazine. magazine yeah. Teen, yeah. And there was a picture of him in there and I cut it out and I wrote on it in a purple pen. I don't know why it was a purple pen, but mm-hmm. I said, I'm going to look like this someday. And I held it. I, I hung it on my mirror. So that was like my mm-hmm. motivation. And I still have that that picture, that same picture. Yeah, I remember it. seeing it in your room whenever I went over to his house. I'm like, yeah, I want to look like him too. He's awesome. I mean, it was a huge motivation for yeah, anybody for sure. that age that lifted weights. Because it's important to let our listeners know again, like there wasn't any social media. There wasn't even the internet. So Zero. you had...
had to have a physical photo of someone to right. be your inspiration. Like you could, yeah, you couldn't scroll through your, you know, your phone on the daily and get that inspiration. Like 90, <laughs> yeah, yeah this would have been way back. So I, th- I think another important thing to say: you guys at this point in time had not ever been in like an actual commercial gym, correct? No. Like it had all been, I, I think <laughs> nope. that's an interesting basement part. Lifting. Yeah. I, yeah I, base, <laughs> basement garage, garage. And even our school, you know, people here like, oh, they lifted together at the school. Like our school weight room was an old bus garage. Yeah. Right? It looks kind of like here, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is why we like it. So there much, was, right? there was actual coal mining belt on the floor, just like there is here at old school gym. So we haven't had exposure to, uh, uh-huh. an actual like gym business up to this point at all. I don't think I went to my first commercial gym. And it still was hardcore till I was like 17 or 18. Right. Yeah, and that was Rocky Road. Rocky Road or the fitness pavilion. Yeah, so even then, like your exposure to like an actual gym business is an actual still hardcore real, gym. Still real lifters. Right. So that let's talk about that because it seems like when you guys actually graduated from high school and then, um, Corey, I know you started working in the coal mine and then Dustin, you actually went to Cincinnati for a short stint. That's where you guys kind of parted ways a little bit and then grew up and, and got some some life experience and then let's talk about that year apart from each other and then coming back together well you know we you know Corey was originally supposed to go to cincinnati with us i remember even like moving it when me and alma moved in the dorms like Corey's name was still on the wall yeah you know so it was kind of like a last minute thing where uh you know whatever didn't get like the financial aid or something or it was like didn't come together for you i remember together and it was like i was really frustrated about it i honestly didn't know what i wanted to do either so it was it was a it was a godsend probably but I, before that happened, though, we did our first powerlifting meet like the, our senior year, and I, I really oh, think that, oh, yeah, yeah. With that, Coach that ignited a lot. And it was in Shady Side. Um, Dustin did 275 at 142, which was awesome. I did like 250 at 167. We just bench pressed. I don't think we deadlifted, but like I remember thinking like this is a thing. Is that like the it? photo that we have downstairs? Correct. So that is from high school. So if anybody, Absolutely. when you are here at Old School of Tasca, we have a photo of this actual meet I down just there. remember thinking like, this is awesome. Like this is a true sport. And that was my first experience. I mean, that was our first meet at 17. I, I mean, I've probably competed 30 times at least since then. Like mm-hmm. I, I compete multiple times a year. I was absolutely hooked from that point on because I just remember it felt like we were in the garage, but it was against other people. Where where was the meet at? It was in like a yeah, it was Shady Side High School, and it was in like a gymnasium. I think. And it was yeah. it was all other just high school students. Yeah. Or, yep. Oh wow! And I no, just remember awesome. thinking like, okay, this is a sport. Where has this been? And wow, this is something I can continue to do. And I just remember like the intensity because we pushed each other really hard. Like if if I got ten, Dustin would get eleven. Like it just never failed, right? When you, when I, I, I can, first got screwed. No, I I can remember like when you would beat me on stuff. I would inside. I would be so mad. I'd want to cry. <laughs> <laughs> like that's how competitive we were. We were but so it was like you know I I definitely would want him to beat me because I knew it would bring out the best to me. But like when it would happen, especially if it was like something that maybe. I was a little bit better at than you or something. Like, let's mm-hmm. say you beat me on Skull Crushers, which was like supposed to be my thing. Yeah. I would be like, like inside, pissed at you for like a day or two. Yeah, it was really. It was like <laughs> we had a really good um, competitive thing in, in a healthy way early, and that's why we both bench pressed 300 pounds before we left high school, which is not real common for guys. Like I wanted, to, I wanted to be the bench press guy, not you. Yeah, it was, it was, it was <laughs> awesome. But I think that that for me was a huge turning point because then I realized that this is something I can do forever. You know? And I think for me too, the meat, I mean, you gotta remember, I didn't play sports when I was young, like you did. Sure. I didn't start wrestling until 10th grade and I had a little bit of su- success as 
you know, as a senior in the sport, but still, I don't, I thought back about it. I never placed higher than second in a wrestling tournament. Mm -hmm. So going and doing that powerlifting, I got first and I won the, the MVP, like the outstanding lifter award. It was the first time I'd ever got first in anything. So it was just kind of like, and first over every weight class, really. Right, right. So I I was like, wow, I've never had this feeling before of like being the best at something. So, you know, Coach Hoover doesn't realize probably like he taught us furthered our intensity level, showed right. us more stuff, and then introduced us to mm-hmm. that, which really changed, I mean, my concept forever. Because then, you know, once you leave high school, no one competes in anything. Exactly. Like, my mom came and cheered for me at New Philly this week. Right, I'm exactly. probably 40. <laughs> yes. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that doesn't happen when you leave high school. You don't have the camaraderie. You don't mm-hmm. have the competition. You don't have the urgency. People lose it. But I just never did. Mm-hmm. And I think because of that day, it, it helped create that. Uh, without a doubt. And and one quick thing to circle back to Coach Hoover before we move on is that, you know, so he was our weightlifting coach 20 plus years ago. He's not that much older than us. Fast forward to present day, he still lives back in the valley over two Mm -hmm. hours away. His son, who, uh, Dalton, stud wrestler, is committed to Northern Illinois uh, for a full wrestling scholarship. He brings Dalton up here to train at our gym, Mm -hmm. you know, two hours each way. So it's kind of crazy to see it come full circle like we still have that picture of our weightlifting team with coach hoover hanging on the wall from 96 or 97 and now you know here all these years later coach hoover is bringing his son who's an elite athlete to train at our gym pretty awesome yeah and then at that point in time in high school too like you guys weren't sitting around with like a business plan like we're gonna own a gym when we grow up right is this this is not even in in your sight at this point correct i can remember thinking like oh it'd be great if we like got paid to lift weights, but I, I didn't think anything like that was possible. We didn't have I a lot of like, we definitely talked about it briefly. Like when we were in your garage hanging out, but I don't think we thought it was like, no, I didn't, yeah. I, I think it was like <laughs> pie in the sky. Like, yeah, right thing. Like yeah. I, you know, growing up back there, I didn't really have a lot of like, other than Smitty, I didn't know anyone that ever started their own business. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's really not an area that like encourages entrepreneurship. So the idea of like how that could happen seemed like so far away that it was just like, just like people sit around and say they want to be a rock star or they want to be, Whatever, you know? Right. Be a fitness rock right. So so let's talk about that because Corey, you didn't end up going to UC. You mm-hmm. ended up getting a full time job and I think yeah. you you did then start to have dreams of a profession that you were sharing with yeah, people. Yeah, I was going to um, the community college locally, which I was going from to school from eight to twelve and I was working stacking lumber from one to ten. So I was working at what's called Danoon Lumber. There's a there is a really successful entrepreneur who just passed away a couple of years ago that started this lumber company that blew up to like 60 million bucks or something like that in revenue, and he employed this whole town. And so basically, one of my family members is one of the bosses there. So he got me a job stacking lumber. I remember it was like seven bucks an hour. I was always tired, but what I loved about it was I got to like get a real taste of you know before coal mining a job that a lot of guys were you know blessed to have but they didn't like it Mm -hmm. and so I worked with a lot of like really like hardcore like country ass dudes that you know were super respectful of me and were nice but um I got the I got a real good lesson there because the the wages weren't very good and it just was it was kind of brutal with that schedule and I started noticing that at that point in time uh I started to pay more attention to the industry of fitness like I remember um, one of my buddies said, you know, there is a person like personal training exists in California. I remember him saying that Nick Dutch, and he said, that's what he said to me <laughs> right. because it didn't exist in Ohio that I was aware of, right. to be honest with you. And so, you know, you figure we're talking like 98. Um, and it was one of those things where I thought I started to kind of get a concept of like, okay, like this might be a possibility, but I'm still taking prerequisites, but I was paying for school myself. 
So I was skipping class like crazy and lifting weights. Okay. Because I was pissed because I didn't have enough time because I was going to work 10 hours a day, you know, stacking lumber, which if you, let me paint that picture for you. It's literally like a conveyor belt of endless lumber that you stack and you just get in line and grab another board and stack it and get in line and do it for like 10 hours. Oh. And it is... And at that time, I loved rap music. They listened to classic rock. I was like, ready to shoot myself. Right. You're not wearing like, your earbuds and <laughs> no, no, podcasting no. and listening animal. to whatever you so, want to. But it was really good for me to kind of get a grasp of what I didn't want to do. And then kind of fast forward when I got the job in the coal mine, I um, that was a little bit more up my alley just because my family had done it for years. And I wanted I wanted the challenge of it because I knew that was a, those days were about up. Mm-hmm. So it was like I, I wanted to like experience what my family had done. And it was $14 an hour plus 21 hours, $21 for overtime. And my stepdad's like, Corey, you can work like probably a hundred hours a week if you want. They're never going to say no. They have so much work. So I just did the math in my head and was like, all right, here's my concept. I couldn't go to UC. I went down and visited these guys a couple of times and they were dusting to tell you about the pit and stuff they were lifting at. But I just knew like, all right, I felt like I was kind of on my own because mm-hmm. I was. And I was like, I need a strategy to get up out of here. And it was like work a hundred hours a week, lift weights, save as much money and then I'll figure it out. And, and you're just stockpiling cash then at that started, point. Yeah, just stockpiled cash. Okay. <laughs> I can remember, um, you know, one of the stories, like when I, I think you might even told me this when you came down, but I remember asking like, well, what's the coal mine like? And you said, well, like I had to work a 12 hour shift yesterday. The tunnel that I'm in is only three foot tall. So I'm on my knees <laughs> yeah. and there's a conveyor belt bringing coal from deep inside the coal mine. And so for that 12 hours, I'm on my knees, the roof's right above my head, and all I have to do is shovel the coal that falls off the conveyor belt, put it back on the conveyor belt. Yeah, and I just thought, sucked. like, that sounds fucking terrible. It was t- I just remember we was in 8 North, it's called, which is one. So the coal mine has eight miles of tunnels, and they're, and they're, they're wider. So they're as wide as this room or wider, but they're, at that time, the top was like 38 to 42 inches. So it's like working under this table. And so literally my back is touching the ceiling. You have knee pads like a, like a cement tile worker or something. And literally there might be tons of coal that has fell, fell off the belt. Mm-hmm. And your job is they drop you off and say, see you in 12 hours. And you just make your way down the belt line and then they find you in a different spot. And I just remember like doing that thinking, this is fucking worth it. Like, <laughs> and I kept telling myself, it's worth it. It's worth it. Remember the thousand dollar check you've made No, last that's week. what, Whoa. that's my question is like, what was going on in your head that whole time? That's just, so much alone time. Like you're not talking, you're probably not chit chatting well, with people person, down there. They always had you with a buddy, but they were on the other side of the belt, so you couldn't hear so loud. You can't. Right. Hear it's not it. like well, you're people hear coal mine. I don't think they have any idea. And I, I probably still don't even have an idea. But I just remember like when I heard Corey's working the coal mine, I pictured like, oh, he's down there driving a backhoe with his buddy, and yeah. And it, but then you hear that, and you're like, wow, like it's that's a different I world. I think like what was so good for me though was to have to like mentally battle through that. I just knew a couple things. Once I started understanding, we had started, you know, halfway through that mining experience, we started kind of talking about the Ohio State thing a little bit. So I, I had found out that there was a one-year program in Columbus for exercise special. So I knew okay. there was like an end road. I think that had, if I didn't have that and knew I was going to reunite with all my homies, like right. I might have been <laughs> a little bit, through, it might have yeah. been tough for me. But I think because I had something clear in sight, I, and this is how my brain works, I was like. I will just crush this because mm-hmm. in five months I'm going to be in Columbus chilling and doing something I want to do. Right. And I think once I could understand that, it was really easy for me to just put my head down and like, I literally just lifted and worked 
And when I quit the mine that day when I was done, I had like five, six paychecks. I hadn't even went to the bank because every time I was, I mean, going to the bank, like it was closed because right. I was like working all the time. <laughs> right. and, and if I look, if I think back, one of my most hilarious stories is that I worked so many hours, I didn't see the sunlight for literally weeks. Like I was nocturnal. And I remember straight up, I had met Rachel. This is because I worked in the coal mine two different times. I went first time that I came up and uh, got with Dustin, and I had to go home and work for a couple of months. And I remember I had to drive and see Rachel, and I couldn't drive my car because my eyes were so, like they were watering so bad from the light because I literally was like Dracula. Like I had not seen sunlight <laughs> in so many weeks that it was 4 o'clock. I got off at quitting time. Normally, I wouldn't get out till like 10 p.m. Right, you'd say. I had to pull off on the side of the road and let my eyes... Like Adjust like, to the light like for like a half hour. It was like I was crying, but I wasn't even trying to. <laughs> I was intense. fucking out of control, Nettie. Oh. <laughs> so, so meanwhile, while you're, you know, that year you spent, you know, slaving away at the noons and in the coal mine. Meanwhile, I'm down at Cincinnati, living the college life. You know, feeling like, oh man, G should have been a part of this or whatever. And but there was a gym down there that we joined that actually had a big impact on me. It was called the Pit, and basically what the Pit was. They'd started it for, I guess, for the UC Weightlifting Club. At some point, you know, the University of Cincinnati had got rid of all their weightlifting equipment, like upgraded mm-hmm. to like new stuff, and they donated it to what was called the UC Weightlifting Club, and they put it in like the basement of one of the athletic facilities. <clears throat> so it was no lie, it was in this like big long basement room where like, you know, the bare pipes and everything are overhead. And that was just where a lot of kids, I think it was like maybe 10 or 15 bucks a month to be a member. Mm-hmm. And one of the first weeks I was there, I met, you know, my buddy Arjuna who lived on my floor and you know, he was really into weightlifting and he, you know, we we're like, hey, let's go check out this gym. And I still remember walking in for the first time. So at this point, I'd never had a gym membership in my life. We walked in, there's tons of people in there lifting. I mean, it's all old school equipment. They're throwing around heavy weight and Biggie Juicy was blaring on the radio. It was the first time I'd ever really heard rap music in the gym. Mm-hmm. So even though we were big to rap music at that time, still like at my dad's, we would listen to classic rock because that's yep. what he liked. We had WDV on the mm-hmm. radio. And I don't even think we would have had a CD player out in the garage anyway. No. There was just like some little like boombox radio. So I remember walking in and was just like, holy shit. And there was like some guys, it was mostly college guys, but there were some guys kind of from the inner city mm-hmm. that looked like, you know, kind of straight thugs that were in their lifting and like. Remember that one dude that had like the braided, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. the team was jacked. Yeah, these, these guys were super jacked power lifters. It was raw. It looked like they, you know, were straight out of the, the joint. Band, yeah. And, you know, like I said, rap music, Blair, I remember thinking like, holy shit, like this is awesome. And, Found your uh, home. Yeah, yeah. So we, you know, I had a lot of good workouts during that year of the pit, and that was probably the first year I really learned to start lifting legs. Up to that point, I'd never really squatted or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was real well-rounded upper body, but uh, a lot of the guys I lifted with that year were either football players or ex-football players, so they were real into squat and deadlift and stuff. So that was when I learned a lot more about you know just kind of being what more well-rounded. As I remember a coming down there and being fucking. I was like, this place is legit. I remember still, yeah. I bought a t-shirt that had like a dumbbell coming through the ground. Oh, yeah. Thing. Oh, we oh, need I to wish find so it was that. Like, a, like basically like... You, because it, it was like under... A, was it underground? Yeah, it was or in, in the basement. basement. It was uh, in the basement of the athletic it was center. Su- it was super sick. I remember I was so pumped. I bought the t-shirt <laughs> and the logo was ultra dope. I wish we could find that. I don't <laughs> think I ever even bought it. one. Yeah. <laughs> it was cool. So were you... Corey, were you training at Rocky Road at that point in time? So if I you were trained at a couple different places. At that time, there was like a... It was called S S something. It was in Stumbo. It was like a they had like a racquetball and and um, weights. And so I trained there for a little while. I started going to Rocky Road, and then I went to this place called the Fitness Pavilion too, which was very similar to our gym. And that's when that year I competed one other time is when I you know competed in a push pull. And there was a guy at um, I 
forget his name. His name was Richard something. But he was like heavy in the powerlifting. He was like a 275. He, I remember I, I'm like 17. I'm, I'm uh, spotting him. He's close gripping 515 paws. I mean, even if he got it <laughs> stuck on him, there's no way I could have right. got it off of him. And I remember starting to think like, okay, like, all right, these guys are pretty serious. And he was like, yeah, you should do the meet, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, hell yeah, I did one meet. I did good. Let's go. <laughs> so I remember like, like it was yesterday. I'm like sitting at this meet and I'm like all pumped up and all of these big ass dudes roll in, like looks like a biker gang. And I'm like, who? they bring their own bar. They're fucking like 10, I mean, guys, huge guys, like six, seven, like 400 pounds, like these huge. And I'm like, who the fuck are these guys? And it was Westside Barbell. And I'm 17 and I'm like, holy shit. And they rolled into Steubenville. They rolled in. <laughs> Louis, when I told Louis, because this was Louis's 50th birthday, he bench pressed 600 pounds in a denim shirt. I was in like the third row. And I'll never forget it because he jumped up in one of these big ass dudes' arms and his like arms were like this. And and I just remember like thinking, what did I just like I had no clue who he was, no internet. Right. I'd never heard of Westside Barbell. They all were rocking. The logo was dope. And I was just like, in the intensity, I'll just never forget it. It was so intense. And it was so serious. And they were playing like death metal. And it it was inside <laughs> a trailer park. Like Fitness Pavilion, you drove <laughs> through a trailer park and there was a gym in the middle of it. And when I told Louie Years later, after I met him, he was like, oh, yeah, we used to call that the Trailer Park Nationals. (laughs) (laughs) And he remembered exactly. I was like, you know, once I got to know him, I said, you know, I was there on your birthday when you benched 600. I remember it like yesterday. He was like, you was? I'm like, yeah, I'm from there, and I was a member of that gym. And so that was like my first experience. I figured like I'm 17, 18. Not only am I coal mining, but I get to witness something to that level of that, you know, that kind of intensity. And I mean – I couldn't get enough of it. Here's the other thing to remind people that are listening. There's no iPhones. Yeah. There's no digital cameras. Right. You know, so like... Man, I wish I had a, a video of it. Right. Can you imagine having right. that on your Snap story? Louis oh. at 50, benching 600. But <laughs> yeah. back then it didn't exist. You know, like you, w- you wouldn't think to go out and like buy a camera for a powerlifting event that you were mm-hmm. doing. Like nope. it, you might buy like a disposable camera like when we have prom or something. Other yeah. than that, like... So there's so many things like that that happened early on with us that like there's no record of it other than no documentation. Yeah. Right. For, for instance, like this just shows where the fitness industry was. Corey, if you can tell the listeners, you know, when you did decide, Hey, I'm going to move to Columbus, mm-hmm. I'm going to go do the one year program at Columbus state. You were telling people, I love the story of you telling the people in the coal mine, what you were going to do oh, and yeah. who they compared the, you I to. I told the miners like, cause I knew that where I was, that, that I honestly, I think that was the biggest key for me. I knew where I was heading. I knew it was a means to an end and I can, conceptualize that with my brain like the best of them I can have ultimate discipline when I know where I'm going Mm -hmm. and I think my whole life I've done a good job of have the next thing and that was the next thing for me and it's like I was like yeah I want to be a personal trainer and they basically only knew one personal trainer and it was Richard Simmons for all you young people (laughs) all you young people that are listening Google Richard Simmons and I was just like I remember I mean I was in I was uh, you know the coal mine you have an elevator and it goes down 600 feet so it takes a few minutes so I'm in the back of the elevator and you're a red hat which means you're like college help okay. so you're like basically like you know nothing mm-hmm. and so you got these old 60 year old coal miners hardcore and they're like asking me what I want to be when I grow up and I tell them that they're all making fun of me telling me I want to be Richard Simmons and I had <laughs> earrings in at that time I forgot to take them out so they're making fun <laughs> of me for that I just remember just like sinking in the back of it but what they did like those because of my work I think how strong I was those guys always would like, you know, kind of take me with them on jobs. They knew, I mean, I got the shitty work, but they knew I had some oomph to me. So they, they did respect me. And my stepdad like is uh, a weightlifter also works a ton of hours, had mad respect from everybody in the coal mine. So like it was a good experience, but they also gave me what I needed, which 
I mean, I was a young dude working with real men, and mm-hmm. that's a whole nother level. <laughs> Especially working underground, right? Yeah, it's, they have their own set of rules down there. <laughs> exactly. So um, let's go to your, when you guys, Dustin, you leave UC. You're just, you're not yeah, feeling it, Yeah, I think it, about, right? about halfway through the year, I mean, even though I loved the pit and had some good friends down there and stuff, I knew like Cincinnati wasn't the place for me. It was too far from home. And I had, uh, we had some, and actually, I think the first time I came up and visited Ohio State, I think you came up the same weekend. Mm-hmm. I think we came up for Michigan weekend, right? Yep. And so that was, you know, really early on in the school year, we came up for Michigan weekend. And I just remember thinking like, wow, this is what I pictured college being it like. Dope. It was dope. <laughs> it was off the, we're going to all the, you know, me and G are up here reunited. We're going to all these house parties and stuff. And I remember thinking like, yeah, Cincinnati And is there cool. was like real, in the music and it was like more aligned <laughs> with us. We're like, oh wait, we're normal here. Right. Wait, okay. <laughs> right. Like that's what I remember feeling like. I come to Columbus and I was like, wait, everybody likes the stuff I like. This right. is awesome. I didn't, yeah. we didn't feel like we stuck out. At yeah, home and I, we were like outcasts. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I felt that at Cincinnati too, but yeah. yeah, you still being back home, you're still kind of yeah. an outcast at this point. But I just remember thinking like, like the wheels were already turned. Like, man, I, I'm going to transfer to Ohio State. You know, you said you were going to trans, you were going to come up Columbus here and go State. to Columbus State. So we kind of set that plan in motion. And something too, I want to mention, you did come down and, and visit Cincinnati a couple mm-hmm. times. And I remember you came down. I think I kind of lined it up this way. You came down for Valentine's Day and you brought Julie Swift down, I, I who was did. my girlfriend at the yep. time, who I am now married to and have kids with. So if I remember that weekend, that was also a weekend. I think all your shit got stolen out of your car. Do you remember when you that was a, that was a, that was a different, different weekend? weekend but yeah, 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 I remember that was also one of the things you're like, well, I mean, because Cincinnati was pretty rough around it, campus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it it's changed rough. a lot, but. Um, that that was a reality check, getting like everything stolen out of my car, and if somebody like broke your windows out, like stole. Yeah, and then they basically like confronted me, like, "What are you gonna do about it?" And I was like, "I'm gonna <laughs> drive to the cop station." Felt <laughs> <laughs> it was a reality of of the. It was city. a reality of the big city, yeah, yeah, for sure. So, but um, yeah. So basically, I knew Cincinnati wasn't a place for me. I wanted to come to Ohio State. I wanted to be like. Just the campus felt magical to me. I remember thinking, like, I feel like I'm in a movie about college right now. It's a lot closer to home, too. A lot closer Cincinnati's to home. Cincinnati's a hell of a haul from home. It's like a solid four hours. Yeah, four and a half, maybe. Mm-hmm. So so basically, we make plans for that. We come up here. We got a, a group of our buddies. Some of our other buddies we hung out with from high school. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we, I remember we, we met up here and, like, found a, a townhouse over on 12th, 180 East 12th. I always remember that address for some reason. Then we, you know, we moved in together, and, uh, and that was it. And that's how we ended up here. 180 East 12 has multiple hilarious stories. One that wasn't so funny is when we got robbed at gunpoint, though. Oh, by yeah. The that, killer, that one which is... was really scary. My mom wanted me to come home the next day, and I was like, can't blame her. Can't... Yeah. <laughs> That'll be a good one for another podcast. Yeah, we'll tell that, that, was, story. that story was intense. Um, so, 180 East 12th, that is, is that where we have the basement gym? Is that correct? We have that the crawl happens space there. Gym okay. There. So, Corey, you start going to Columbus State at that point in time. Yep. Dustin, you start going just full time to OSU. Yep. At this point in time, is anybody asking you guys for like personal training advice or weight training? Does anybody see that maybe, maybe you guys? <laughs> well, I'm just saying, <laughs> Not, like, yeah. are you guys starting to see like, hey, maybe we know a little bit more than other people? Like, did you go to um, Jess? Did you go to Jesse Owens? Yeah, so you I, worked I think, out there. Or? I think within like our circle of friends, we were the ones that kind of like led sure. the workouts and stuff. Okay. I mean, I know Corey was already thinking along this lines of being a personal trainer I still yeah. didn't even think that was a possibility for me or even okay. you know I was still like in my head thinking okay I'm gonna go to school and be like an English teacher so okay. I can have the summers off that's like really how I thought right okay Very so but we had a we had a little gym in our basement in the crawl space we put uh we had a bench and a curl bar and a heavy bag and just a couple other things so like when you would go down in the basement of our townhouse there was a laundry room and then the block wall about halfway up you could crawl through it literally into the crawl space 
and the ceiling was about i knew it was exactly like five foot nine because i was the only one that could stand all the way up yeah. So, like, if Corey was standing up, he had to be, like, in between the rafters. Still higher than coal mine, though. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. And, you know, it was a straight gravel floor with, like, a vapor yep. barrier over it. And we put our weights in there. And that's where we would lift. And we went and tried, like, some of the campus gyms. I remember we went to... Uh, Just going south a couple times. Yeah, did you get kicked out? That, oh, yeah, the gold gym in Indianola. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we did actually... Like, I remember even when we went to Jesse Owens South, that didn't feel right to us. Like, it mm-hmm. felt really weird. We we got kicked out one time, like, because Corey ran, like, jumped and hung from the basketball hoop or, you know. And <laughs> yeah, I remember that. It's funny. I did. Yeah. I hung on the rim. You went and hung on the rim. Off. They were like, you two, you guys are out here. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. But I, I can remember even when we went there, like, it just felt weird. There's all these people just sitting around doing cardio with their headphones in. And I don't know. It didn't, it didn't feel right to us. And so we wanted to try, like, there was a Gold's Gym on Indianola. Mm-hmm. And we're like, hey, let's go buy a pass and go try Remember, this out. We were out. pumped because I'm thinking Gold's, Gold's Gym, gym like right. Gold's there, right. Gold's Gym. Yeah, we'd only are we'd only seen Gold's Gym in the Pumping Iron Book. At this yeah, point. exactly. So we're picturing the we original think we're going Gold's to Gym. That. <laughs> so we, I'll never forget. We walked in, and uh, I mean, of course, we're gonna go to bench, you know. Yeah. And the benches were teal and purple, yep. and there was a Rod Stewart song playing. And like, fuck this. It, did we, you guys even stay for a whole workout? No, we 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 did a couple sets, and I can remember thinking like these dumbbells are so clean, yeah, they were funny. slippery. It was like I couldn't hold on to. I it. was trying to do pull ups, and the bar was too clean. I was like, we can't fucking work out here. Yeah, there's like no rust, no dirt on anything. We just straight. Left. So we <laughs> we literally left. And I remember thinking like that's a letdown. Like, that's a letdown. Oh, that's a major letdown. Well, plus we paid, you know you got to figure we're college students this time. We paid five bucks to lift there. Yeah. So we, we like forfeited our five bucks, even though like <laughs> yeah. it was probably the last five bucks in our wallet. Yeah. Right. We're like, it's not even worth it. Let's go back home and lift in the basement. Yeah. That was, I know it was a huge letdown. I remember I was super pumped. Yeah. I remember it was almost like we like like a disillusionment moment because we thought it was going to be so cool mm-hmm. and we got in there and it was terrible. Terrible. So terrible we couldn't even finish our workout. <laughs> Which that, yeah, that's, that's next level terrible. So you guys at this point... Um, let's talk about your first like fitness job. I think to not together. I think G, you led this. You went to um, Scarborough Fitness Club. Yeah. Is that so what when th- I was at Columbus State, um, the it was kind of funny because I was still kind of a mess because I had never really been away from home. So I'm like drinking forties and Mickey's. I'm like smoking Newport. He had a I'm, collection of Mickey's the bottles. The you're 40s. just like because you're on your own in I'm the just city like, or don't like give a fuck like. <laughs> And I'm, so I, the funny thing is about me, I go from like six months of being a wild man, like I would roll to class smelling like smoke and beer. That's, I, I, I can't even. Now that you mention that, I remember. <laughs> I remember thinking whenever you were like talking about getting a job as a personal yeah. trainer, like this is our first year of living. I remember thinking like Corey's the wor- like has the worst <laughs> nutrition in the house. Yeah. Like he yep. smokes cigarettes, he eats nothing but ice cream and drinks a, beer. That like was that. just a re- that a was trainer? a rebellion, I think, against yeah, I was just, everything. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, was re- I was just pumped to be on my own. But I remember at one point, like they were talking <laughs> about internships, and I was like, "Man, I better get my shit together." Like, but I was in uh, at that time. Columbus State was a trial program, the one year pro. I was the first year of it. Oh, we right. didn't even have books for part of our classes. There was seven people in my class. Um, Don Labenthal was the main teacher who had previously ran Scarborough East. Oh, okay. And so what happened was. He was like, your style, like the, I can tell the way you train, intensity, I think you would match up there. Even though Bryce Road seemed far as hell from downtown mm-hmm. at that point, um, he's like, there's a trainer there that graduated from Akron that's doing pretty good, and I think you should go there and get the desk job to learn from him. Is that so, Was that Reggie Young? That Is was that, Reggie Young, okay. yeah. So I got a desk job at Scarborough East making six or seven bucks an hour. When you say desk job, that's probably like greeting guests when they come yeah, in, just, just checking their house. Gotcha. Yeah, I did, I did laundry, and I just watched everything Reggie did. 
Gotcha. So that's how it all started. And then how did you, how did you trans like go on from the towel boy <laughs> to yeah. actually training? Really, like, yeah, what take, was the progression? It didn't there? take super long because Reggie was really busy. I mean, he okay. had probably like forty clients. Plus, he used to do like Tybo type stuff. Okay. So he was easily making over a hundred thousand a year. And we were in what was cool. We were in an environment where once you trained, you just had rent, which isn't very common nowadays. Uh, ever there's always percentages, right? Mm-hmm. I paid. Um, I remember Reggie had like Irene, who is Marianne's sister. Mm-hmm. He didn't like training her because she wasn't very serious. That's he was on this tip <laughs> where he didn't want to train people that weren't serious. Because he was, he thought he was. He, he was like went to the next level. level so right. I was like, well, shit, I'll take her, you know. And it was twenty bucks an hour. And I just remember Irene gave me for ten sessions two hundred dollars, and I was like, oh shit, it's on. <laughs> like because remember, twenty one dollars an hour is what I was making in the coal mine, and right. I knew how that added up because right. I was making really good money. And I just remember she was, I believe, either my first or second client that was real. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, once I started understanding, like, okay, this is real. Then I started, like, running flyers off and getting more serious about it. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, I literally went from, you know, folding towels to having, like, between three to five clients, you know, of runoff from Reggie and learning from Reggie. And Reggie also would go on vacation and stuff and have me fill mm-hmm. in for him. And okay. so I got a, I got a decent amount of... Um, of just practice um, by just being around. So he really he was your Kickstarter. Absolutely. I mean, you had his overflow and his time that he no, was down. No that question. And I'll tell you, you know, he was good to, too. He was well good. up to up to this point. You and I had, you know, we basically had lifted like bodybuilders. That was yeah. kind of all that we knew. Mm-hmm. He was the first person I remember seeing like do personal training, yeah. where like he could have three or four clients going at the same time doing different workouts. He was and a he's cycling them through and like having them do different style workouts. Like how do you train, you know, like a 60 year old woman? We had no idea. Right. You know? And so he taught me how to, uh, work the room with multiple clients. Cause he could keep the rates down to 30, 35, but have four and five people at a time. So it was group training really, but it wasn't because somehow he would be able to make it individual because the way he set it up and he sold fitness, he was positive. Reggie was really good. Mm-hmm. And so I was fortunate enough to not have a clipboard trainer as my first because, I mean, I, I basically walked into a guy that was making easily six figures, understood it. His roommate in college was Jason Taylor, who just went in the Hall of Fame for football from Akron. Like, he was a high-level athlete. He got it. He was cool. And like, He was a bodybuilder, too. He was a so bodybuilder, like- too. He did, he did shows. So he was just – I mean, I don't know that I could have um, had a better entry point to it. But I learned a lot of not how to do stuff from Reggie, too, which, you know, as Reggie would – miss appointments and he was a little shaky at times and he had some definitely some pitfalls once again i was always just consistent i was mm-hmm. even that way then once i gave up the mickeys and, and newports right so at that and like are you how old are you at that point in time like 19, 12, or, 20? 19 or 20 so yeah. like at 19 and 20 just because like the g i know today like did you ever like call in sick like hey irene like i'm not gonna make it there today unless we had like some super stuff going on on campus i was pretty i, was pretty, <laughs> no, I, I think my that, that was, one, was like seven maybe that so. was one thing i do remember though is like sometimes like i would be almost like the devil on your shoulder i would like yeah. make him go out like we would like i would make him go out the red zone on a friday night yeah. so we'd go hit red zone. he'd be like i gotta i gotta be at scarborough at seven I'm like gee you'll do it and i remember yeah. thinking like at some point in the night when we're out and we're hammered like He's gonna miss his appointment tomorrow, but no, he would did. get up. No, he never, he never did. I He's felt still so fortunate to be able to get paid to lift mm-hmm. weights because that's what I've been telling all these people I was gonna do. That I was like, it was so important to me that I, you know, I, that's the problem is I had one foot in and one foot out, and eventually that had to change a little mm-hmm. bit where I had to say, okay, Saturdays I can do it or whatever, you know. But I, I had to get more disciplined because you know I went from being at Scarborough to you know six eight months later having my own joint. Everything changes then, you right? Know what I mean? So like I, I was. Definitely, like, pretty serious at that point. 
But I really went from being kind of a train wreck to being my own businessman, like literally in about a year. Right. It was pretty wild. And Dustin, you started, you took over as Towboy, correct? Yeah, I, yeah. I became, I became you, the Scarborough Towboy. Okay. Yeah. And it, honestly, I think I, I got that job. Like it, at the time, I might have even still been working at the YMCA, which yeah, we lifted at there. Yeah, so we had a meet there too. But I remember, um, you know, I worked at the LMW Ward YMCA out on Broad Street. I was a lifeguard there. And, um, you know, they had a they had a w- good weight room there. We actually did a powerlifting meet mm-hmm. there and stuff that same year. Yep. But I remember pick, when, once you started kind of training full-time in Scarborough, I went and took over that desk job there. And I did it more or less just so me and you could lift weights there yep. together. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I still, I don't think, really had a concept of becoming a trainer at that point. Okay. Well, I think, Dustin, you had a different path. You, you thought you were going to be a teacher. That's what you were into. Right, for and, sure. And so it, it was... You know, I wanted the summers off. Yeah. <laughs> so... But let's go through when the, the first T3 actually opened due mm-hmm. to some conflict at Scarborough. Yeah, so I had um, it, about a year later, you know, I'm like 20 and a half-ish. I think um, I had like tw- I had about 20 clients. And you we completed, lived on you completed point, the right? program, right, at Columbus State? Like that's done? Completed and, the program. Okay. I was actually, a lot of people don't know this, I was signed up to do massage. Like I was actually going to go through massage school this, and I was okay, going to have, yeah, good. this is good. <laughs> I was about to have the high end program. My whole plan, <laughs> my business was get these like hot, rich women to pay me to like personal train them and massage them. Oh my now, God. Had you, had you, had you took the modeling trip to New York yet? This yeah, is right around the same um, time, right? Yeah. So I think right around then's when, so all this kind of happened together. It was like when I was like 20, Rachel, which was my girlfriend at the time, was working at Long's Bookstore, which was on campus. Mm -hmm. She had a friend that knew the people from the Arnold Classic. And he's like, hey, I know know, your boyfriend's in the lifting weights. You think you'd want to sell programs at the Arnold? And he gets a VIP pass from me, and I got to go into all this stuff. And so I was like, yeah, of course, like sign me up. So like as that's happening, you know, I know the Arnold Classic's coming up. I'm training a good bit of people. And then like, you know, Scarborough kind of, they, 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 I interviewed for the manager position, which was nine bucks an hour. So my, in my head, I was like, I'm running this joint anyway. You know, I'm only 20, but I'm like, I can get paid nine bucks an hour plus do my personal training. I was mm-hmm. paying $200 a month rent. I was like, this is going to be a game changer. And they passed over me for the job. And it was so easy. Like I could have easily done it. And they hired some numb nuts. But his whole plan was to squeeze me. That was his sales. Like, I'm going to come in here. I'm going to take 30% of Corey's money. We're going to get other trainers. I remember he, like, got all these pop machines and, like, was doing all this, like, flashy stuff, like, trying to make, like, he was doing something. And I just remember when he came to me and I was like, I, it's funny because I didn't, wouldn't have picked to open my own gym then. Mm-hmm. See, that's what a lot of people don't realize. Like, they hear me talk about opening a gym when I was 20 or a studio. Like, that wasn't really my plan. I was forced into it. And instead of rolling over for this idiot to take my money... I stood up and was like, F you, I'm going to do my own thing. And that's literally like, he told me that was going to happen. I didn't say anything to him. I was just in my head thinking, yeah, right, dude. And I walked out that day and just started driving around looking for places, like out the gate. I can still remember, you know, us sitting down at 15th and you kind of tell me, because I I still work the desk there. I don't think I had any clients or anything yet. But so I, like, I was aware of the situation with that guy and I didn't like him either. Fuck you, Keith. Yeah. But thank, but, uh, but thank you. <laughs> but I can remember you telling me what your plan was. You're like, yeah, I drove around Bryce Road and I found this place right up the street. I'm going to rent. I remember distinctly thinking like my duty as your friend has to be to talk you out of yeah. this. Like it's not going to work. Right. And I remember thinking you're going to lose all your clients. They're not mm-hmm. going to come there. You're going to, you're going to go in debt. I don't and remember I, you being like a negative thing though. I don't remember that. No, but I. realist. Yeah. Just. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. That's just the way I remember. I remember thinking that it definitely was not going to work. 
I, this is a question I, Dustin actually just answered for me yesterday. What did, tell everybody what T3 stands for. It, it was something I made up in college. We had to do like a, we had to do an assignment, one that I actually did, um, of our own, <laughs> of our own personal training. Like I was not a good student. I don't think that would I think Rachel made the sign for I was going to say, are you sure you did this? I, I had like you glitter on it. At one, after I met Rachel in spring break, I didn't go to school for a month. And my teacher called me and asked me if I wanted to come back because I think he knew like, he didn't sleep at our house for a month. Yeah. Guaranteed. I think he knew that I was like going to be in the industry. Like I had some, like a possibility to be good at it. Mm-hmm. He just knew I just didn't care right? because I was already making money. So the thing is, is like, I found out there was no law in Ohio that you needed anything. So I was like, <laughs> so I punted school and I was like, I'm out. Right. And he was like, well, do you want to come back and like finish? And I was like, yeah, if you'll let me come back, I'll, I'll come back next week. So I go back to school and it's funny because Don's still there. Right. So like he's seen everything. So it's pretty hilarious. But yeah, so I go back to school. I finish up the thing. We start the gym. I get to go to the Arnold's. Like all this kind of happens at the same time. All my clients were willing to come. The same thing I told Jason and Riley, like all my clients and people knew me, like contributed dumbbells and wanted to help me be successful. You know, the, the space was 900 square feet. It was 600 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. I did like a really easy kind of metrics on could I pay my bills if I only had eight clients from 20 and all that kind of stuff. And it was still always all over the place. But to me, my whole setup was like, I don't got anything to lose. If I screw this up, what are they going to get? I don't got anything. Right. My parents ain't got nothing. I got nothing. What do I have to lose? That's really what my like kind of what my like brain was saying. Your worst time. case scenario is going back home and, and working, working what you've already done. And, right. and if I had, honestly, when I signed the lease, I was like, if I have to go home and coal mine, I can still pay this and live sure. with my mom's. Right. I mean, that literally is what I thought. And I was like, F it, let's go. It was like a do or die moment. Basically. <laughs> it was a do or die moment. I, it literally was because there was no one going to come save me. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it. And I think that that's what a lot of people, that's why I'm glad we're talking about this stuff because a lot of people don't realize these type of things about me because they only know what they've seen on social media. Mm-hmm. I did this stuff for literally like 10 years, sun up to sun down, grinding all this, going through trying to be half in college, half not in college. And it was, yeah, it was a little trying because even Dustin, who's an amazing business partner at that time, he, he didn't, he couldn't catch what I was trying to do. And I, I didn't mad, I wasn't mad about it. But he it was still doing, D, you were still doing much more of the college you oh know, yeah, experience. yeah. So w- once he opened T three, then I was like, okay, well now I kind of uh, saw oh, my yeah, opportunity. transitional training technique, yeah. <laughs> which means nothing. By the way. <laughs> yeah, what does that even yeah, mean, right? That's, that's no. why. That's why I three it. T three. It's so good. So you know, so then I, I think I left Scarborough then and went with G and started working as a personal trainer. He would just kind of feed me some of his overflow, kind of like Reggie did to him at first. Mm-hmm. And I was at that point now really learning from him, like how to train people. But even at that point, you know, I was still like. It wasn't one foot in training, one foot in college. It was like two toes in training and then like the rest of it was in the college life. So I still didn't really look at it as like, you know, it was more just like this was like my college job type of thing was the way I looked at it. I didn't really take it as serious as I should have. So I was in that place, Nettie, for almost three years building that clientele. And then I remember when I upgraded out because I was in the shopping plaza, like inside. In the back. In the back. You couldn't. They were using it as a ladder closet for the rehab of the shopping center when I rented it. It was behind, it was, it was behind Blades, that hair be, studio. It was behind a hair studio, which I did <laughs> like because there was women coming through there, which was right. cool. Um, and then when I moved out front, I remember we were literally stepping over each other because I had like five or six trainers paying rent. We had a bunch of clients coming through there and I upgraded to a place that was like 2,500 square feet. That was really nice. It was in the front of the mini mall. I remember I was paying like 1,500, 1,600 bucks a month rent. So it was a pretty big 
deal for me, but I, I definitely like stepped up and my business was growing and I knew it was like a real thing. And then we started to compete in bodybuilding then too. And so there was a lot of stuff that was just all positive, but it took a long time. Well, that's, let's, let's peel that back a little bit because again, there's no social media. Mm-hmm. So you're very young. How are you, you know, building a reputation and getting clients? I mean, it's still a struggle no matter, you know, what, Absolutely. what year you are, are starting a business in being able to get clients is always going to be that, that hard part. So how are you doing that group? So I would go to, you know, the barter network. I was in the chamber. I was in like, I was going to those things probably three days a week. Plus, um, at that times when I started kind of competing locally a little bit, so I started to kind of, you know, meet more people and I had a knack for posing. So people would come in and kind of do some of that stuff. And I think that I did a really good job of having people bring their friends. I think that I did anything and everything. Plus I was reasonable and I was consistent and a lot of personal trainers were just straight flakes. So like your rates were reasonable? Yeah, they that- like 25 bucks. I mean, but I wrote, you know, I had multiple people at the same time, just like Reggie kind of taught me. And I think once again, Reggie, I'm telling you, he kept screwing up and his people kept coming to me. Gotcha. Marianne. I mean, there was, there was a, there's a list of them that were there for literally like a decade of Reggie's clientele that just kept migrating towards me. Mm-hmm. I think, so. And I think too, when you think about marketing, you know, like this is the pre-Instagram era. So I was telling Nettie the other day, my first business cards I ever got on the back of them was a picture of me posing from a bodybuilding yeah. show. Cause like I have pictures on all mine. Yeah. So like that was the only way you could show people that, Hey, I was a bodybuilder and Hey, I got muscles underneath my sweatshirt or whatever. So when you were at Kroger and you start trying to like pitch to the person next to you in line, like, Hey, I'm a personal trainer, blah, blah, blah. You'd give them your card. It would have your picture on it. Yeah. It's kind of funny to think back. Like something, yeah. something that Corey probably, I mean, he's not going to say about himself, but, um, Corey's people skills are out of this world. So, um, Thanks, most people see him on social media and they don't understand his, his one-on-one interaction is is by far probably some of the best I've ever seen. So that's probably definitely helped. In that no, business. and and that's something that I obviously never got to train with you as mm-hmm. a client, but I can tell you know all of our listeners out there that is something that you are um, you excel at beyond most people, and people don't see that on social yeah. media. But once someone meets you and has that one on one, I think they're hooked, and that's that's why a T three was successful. That's why OSG is successful, and that's why Corey G himself well, I, is I, successful. I think that helped because I I could tell like one my retention was really high. Well, because people could tell that you genuinely cared. I, I yeah, I think that's you know? the key. And we you, we you really wanted it. to help people. Yeah, you know? and you, you you guys live it too. You know, yeah. that's the other thing. Yeah, is, we weren't faking it. I right. Think people found that out real quick. And it was like, I think once I understood that at a pretty young age, I was like, if I care about these people like family and they'll work hard, yeah, they piss me off because they won't eat right and they're <laughs> complaining and bitching and all that stuff. But, you know, I was pretty straight with them, but they could tell I genuinely cared. And I would... You know, here's what I learned pretty young. You could be, as a personal trainer, the most positive person they talk to all day. Mm-hmm. They might be having problems at home. They might hate their job. But when they come to see you, it has to be a personal interaction of, uh, of you know, positivity. And, and so sometimes I, I that's almost more important than the workout. It it's, is. So I realized that pretty young, and I think that helped me a lot. And I think that even that does to Still me, even today. It's even overflows on social media. For you sure. know, Dustin and I talked about it last week. Like... When let's say Join a Real Gym makes a post, or you make a post, or mm-hmm. Dustin makes a post, like they're still like th- we might be that contact for someone in their lives. Yeah. Like that's the constant positivity that they get. They Absolutely. might not get it from their parents or their girlfriends or their wives or husbands or or at work. And so we have to kind of remember that that we don't. A lot of people aren't surrounded with the positivity so all, that we all, are. All of you, you know, 
young fitness and person and arrows or whatever <laughs> that word is out there that are listening, quit being negative on social media. I never put anything negative out on social media. Oh. You know, like you got to remember like the people you're trying to reach, the people you're trying to inspire, they don't need to hear about your problems and about how you're struggling with your diet or whatever. Like you need to be positive if you want to make an impact on people. I think yeah, it's just it's so a, important. It's a big key one-on-one though. Is a huge key to yes. my success back then because I guarantee, like my knowledge for training, <laughs> a little shaky. Right, but I, I, I think that's in any profession. You know, if you have that yeah. that one on one, you're going to excel. So, you guys, um, Dustin, you start you start training at T3 also, right? You you Correct. leave Scarborough, you bring over some of your clients, and you're there. Yeah, and at this point, I'm still just doing it part time. I mean, yeah, I think like, well, I, maybe I, four or five clients at the gym. Yeah, yeah, just that. a few because I'm still in school at this time too. You got to remember, Corey sure. did a one year program, so he's already done. I still got another two or three years at, at Ohio State. So, and then at this point, isn't this when you do get a call from from a friend that there's a potential gym closing and that you guys might be able to open like an actual I had a client gym at facility. the gym as well. So a lot of people don't, also don't realize like even though I had my own gym, I was driving to Columbus oh, yeah, Moore you, Sports Club on the north side of town for evening clients three days a week, and I had one client at Amazing Fitness and well, Pitasco. this is actually before that, and I forgot this story until I was telling it to Nettie the other day. So. About six months before we got the amazing fitness call, mm, yep. I got a call from a buddy of mine in Cincinnati and the pit, which we talked about where I'd lifted, you know, that, the one year that I was down there, they were getting ready to close that because they were like tearing down that building or something. Yep. And so he had an opportunity to possibly buy that equipment. And the idea was he was going to bring me and Corey and his partners. Mm-hmm. He was going to move to Columbus and we were going to try to open it maybe in Clintonville or something. Yeah. Uh, close the, to campus. Yeah, yeah campus. close to campus. That was kind of our plan. So we're going to have all this equipment from the gym. So I remember uh, as a core, you know, Corey lifted at the pit the one time or a couple times that he came down to visit me when I went to school there. And now this is, you know, fast forward three or four years later. So I was like, Hey, let's take a trip down so you can meet my buddy. We'll get, we'll get a workout in at the pit, which kind of ironically, that was when I hurt my back the first time deadlifting. deadlifting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've had that injury ever since probably 21 or 22 and we went and lifted and, um, I remember I was all pumped up because at this point I had just been a part-time trainer for you and I thought, and it was the first time I ever really thought about us owning a gym. Now I'm thinking, all right, we're going to have all this sweet old equipment from the pit. We, I'm bringing my other buddy in. The three of us are going to be partners. I, I remember us like sitting around dinner that night talking like, yeah, we're all going to get Range Rovers. Yeah. We'll put up a sign that'll say Range Rover parking only. Yes, I remember that exact fucking conversation. That's so funny. And the funny thing was a couple months later I did buy a Range Rover because I was obsessed with it then. But um. I think kind of the takeaway from it is, you know, we're, we, we had a good time down there lifting or whatever, but for whatever reason, you didn't feel good about it. Um, you know, the training studio was still, you know, it was blown up at this yeah. point. Mm-hmm. And I remember driving back. What and I you, could conceptualize of blowing up. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I was what? working yeah. full time. <laughs> yeah, you were making a good living yeah, at it, you know, absolutely. and it was an independent business. You had a little buzz around town. People were starting yeah. to know who you were. For sure. Um, but I remember driving back and you were just like, the, I'm not going to do it. Like, I just don't. It's not right for me, but I remember you telling me, you were like, hey, man, if because I was still trying to talk you into it. Sure. You were like, hey, if you still want to do it, you can do it. That's fine. Like, you yeah. can partner up with them and you guys can open yeah. that gym. Yeah, I wouldn't have been butthurt at all. I just no. knew for some reason it didn't feel right to me. And I think because I was already like basically three years ahead of you guys. For mm-hmm. sure. And that was part part of it. And, but I remember it was like kind of like a crossroads moment because I could have still like went and partnered up with that guy mm-hmm. who I was great friends with and like, who had owns that opportunity a gym today and is a good business guy. Yeah, exactly. He, <laughs> not he like is a slouch. Yeah, not. fast forward this far, he he owns his own gym, very successful on Cincinnati, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, a calibrated CrossFit. We'll give him a little little shout out For there. Sure. But um, I just remember thinking, like, even though this is a great opportunity, like, I think I'm going to be better off long run to stay aligned with you, whatever and whatever that means. 
And I still don't think it, I thought like, okay, well then me and you will open a different gym. Yeah. I just knew that meant like still training with you. You had so much momentum and I felt like I was learning so much training there at T3. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was the right move for me either. So I was like, well, and also I was showcasing that it was possible. Right. You know, for all of us really. Mm-hmm. So that was the big key. Like it was working actually. <laughs> so it was, it was actually good that I was too scared to go off and do it on my own. No, and I, I think again, for our listeners, that's important. But sometimes like that first thing, like you get, it's bright, shiny, you're excited about it. And then if you just sit back and if really go with your though, gut and think I can't about remember it. remember what, why though? Like I can't put my, it was probably like a gut. Just, just you, yeah, I just didn't, just just, I think because I knew how hard it was to do what I was doing already. Mm-hmm. I already understood it because I've done it for years. And I, I think I knew I was going to be overstretched. And I was scared about that. Gotcha. Well, yeah, because I think the plan would have been we were going to open that, but because it was going to be on campus, you would have lost all your East Side clients. So you were going to keep T three too. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it was going to places. Yeah, it was going to be like he was going to have T three, and then we were going to open what would have been our original iteration of old school gym around yeah. campus somewhere. And I think an, another part of the story, which again I think our listeners should take a note, is Dustin. You had another opportunity to like partner with G, and I think he kind of decided not to do like or you were going to buy into t3 a little bit i think and then he was like hey yeah, i'm already this doing was, this so yeah this was something else i had you know i, I kind of forgot about to mean you were going over this timeline so mm-hmm. when we moved when g moved from the small uh t3 to like the bigger storefront version mm-hmm. i remember he wanted to bring me in as a partner and our buddy josh who was training there yeah. And I remember it was just something like we were going to each pay in like 500 bucks or something like to get some new equipment and then we're going to be three-way partners. And in retrospect, I definitely was not ready for this at this Mm -hmm. point. I was still in college and I was still very much in like the the party and college lifestyle. But, you know, G wanted to kind of like present an opportunity for us. And I remember like two or three days into it, like right at the very beginning, uh, Rob Dunsmore, who was your Mm -hmm. client, who was a pretty knowledgeable guy. He helped us a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember he kind of pulled you aside and was like, G, what are you thinking? Like you built this thing yourself. (laughs) Like, don't bring these guys in and your partners. Have them keep working for you. Mm-hmm. And I remember you just kind of came to us and, like, gave me and Josh our money back. And we're like, hey, man, like, it's just not the right time for you guys to partner with me. And I don't I, I don't, don't think I don't I, remember this. I don't remember this. I like that. No, I, don't, that, I don't remember it all, actually. No, I, I mean, I, I distinctly remember it now. Like, I yeah. totally forgot about this till, till like, we started going through the timeline. But I remember, like, not being butthurt at all. I remember just kind of, like... I think there might have been a part of me that was a little bit relieved because I think deep down I knew I wasn't ready to be a partner sure. in the business yet either. But again, this is just that, you know, another thing was presented that didn't necessarily go your way right out of the gate. You know, right. you stayed stayed true to G as a friend and they're like, hey, this just isn't the right time. So people that want to start their own things, you're going to feel like the, the world's against you sometimes because well, an opportunity is going to be there and that's going to be pulled away. And that's just kind of the nature of it. Because I think when the other opportunity came up to involve you with the original old school I think I remember thinking, now it is time. Right, right, I right. Think, I think it yeah, this would have been sense. like a year later, yeah. two years later or something. So this is when you guys, the amazing fitness is is the yeah, amazing so like, opportunity. Probably amazing six fitness. months after we turned down, you know, buying that equipment from Cincinnati. By now, you know, we didn't have the Range Rover parking sign, but I did have the Range mm-hmm. Rover. And Corey, you were training like at a couple other places around town. You know, yeah, tell them about a couple that. other places around town. And this lady had reached out to me that was in Pataskal. I'd never even been to Pataskal before. And she was like... I, I saw, I forget how she even heard about me and she was like, can you come out here? And I was like, sure, you know, for 30, I think I charged like 35 cause I had to drive or whatever. And I was like, so I remember walking in the original old school gym and I, I was like, oh, sh-. I mean, they had no members. There was two members. Um, and her, she was like helping clean it and I was training her and the gym was just epic. And I was like, I remember going in thinking, 
I like have to buy this or, you know, be involved in it. I just remember loving it. And, now, the, guy, and the guy who, the guy who ran it at that point, he wasn't a gym guy. Wasn't the gym guy. He actually was like a shady car salesman, dude. He had a bunch of problems. He was in trouble with the law. <laughs> he just, but he, but he was trying to put cash into something. It was really cool. It was done well. He had bought a lot of nice equipment. Um, he had a good vision for like the nature of the gym. I just remember telling Dustin, I was like, man, if this thing ever is available, like, I don't know that I can't buy it. Like it was way too awesome. Now, and I think it probably all it took was for you to like mention something to the guy once. And he was like, yeah, give me 10 grand cash. It's yours. <laughs> well, he was uh, not indicted yet, but he was being oh, looked okay. at hard for some stuff. And it was right time, right place. He was like, yeah, I'd love to get rid of it for 10 grand cash. So yeah, years later, we ended up training someone who worked for the attorney general. And she was like, oh, yes, yeah. like I've been to this gym before we yeah. were uh, or she's like, I've seen pictures of we were investigating the former owner. Yeah. So at that point in time, when when you guys when he gave the offer of the 10 grand cash, is that when you sat down with Dustin? Yeah. Did you need did you need more cash at that point in time? Or you're like, I need a wingman. Well, like, I think also, how did you once again, I was going to have two places. Oh, so I had C3. Oh, so one, yeah. I oh. wanted, because Patasco is pretty far from Bryce Road at that point. A lot of people were driving from Columbus to see me at the time. So I was like, this you is You definitely would have lost clients no if you question. tried to take everyone to Patasco. Columbus didn't feel that wide at that point. Right. You know what I mean? So I think it was a great opportunity. It was the nature of the gym that we wanted anyway. And so it was way easier to go. At that time, we had three partners. Each of us threw in 3,300, you know, and was able to buy the gym. And, and randomly, I had a, Julie and I bought our first house, which we still live in, mm-hmm. and had just moved to Patasco a month prior. Yeah. So we moved out here like the beginning of September, and this happened in October. Yeah. So it was just so random. That and then when you for the ten grand, you got everything. Two members. Yeah, two members. <laughs> yeah we got two members. We got okay. all the equipment. Okay. And the, then the lease, like how 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 much length did you have left on the lease, or was that even? Did you guys even worry about so, that? Armor. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Doug Beeson, who like they own a you know they own the True Value and a bunch of the stuff in town. I remember. He was like, yeah, go see Doug Beast and talk to him about the rent. Okay. And I remember I went there. At the there, hardware store. At the hardware store. I went, he's like, yeah, he's like, just bring me 500 bucks. I said, okay. Like on what day? He's like, ah, you know, beginning of the month. And then we shook hands and that was it. Yep. There was no lease. There was no negotiation, no nothing. He just said, bring me 500 bucks every month. Okay. And as long as we brought him his money, he didn't care. Interesting. And you yeah. did that for how long? Did you? How long were you there for, D? Let's see. We were there for five years. I was gonna yeah. say. And, and this we, was this was 2003. 2003 okay. when we started it. Yep. And then how long did you keep T3 going? Till probably at least three of those five years, I would say. Oh wow. Yeah, I had I had both places for a while, and then eventually I started doing some online stuff and some other stuff. Eventually, I was able to just go to Patasco and just told people if they didn't drive, then Bye-bye. sorry about your luck. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, too and bad, then, so sad. Yeah. And then Dustin, were you, and were you graduated from Ohio State at that point? Yep. In time. Yep. Okay, so no more teaching. That's that's gone. You're the gym owner now. So who the other gentleman that was involved with you? What was his name again? Josh. So he was there all five years at nah, he, the old he one. He was only, he was there only for, really an owner for a little while. Yeah, he, he was got, he was he owner for about a year. Okay. Um, I think the big thing was because he he had a daughter. He'd had a daughter like right out of high school. Yep. And he got offered, he was a part-time worker at GNC also, mm-hmm. but then he got offered a management position where he would get full benefits. Oh, okay. And so he was kind of like, hey, I have to take this because I need benefits. I have a, I have a kid, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was kind of what, he still personal trained there for a few years after that, but it, yeah. we bought him out. So now we're two-way partners, probably about a year into it. So, I remember we had to put an investment in the gym and get some new treadmills and stuff. And I, I remember it was really easy. I just called him and said, hey, here's the deal. Like either two of us are paying it back or three of us are paying it back. And the deal would be like, you could just keep training here. Cause I don't know that we actually pay, paid him because I think it was like his, he didn't have to pay rent. He never really paid rent. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I think that was something because like that. Because it was only like a $3,000 investment 
So, but I was like, look, we're about to put 10 in it and like, we got to figure out who's paying it back. Mm-hmm. And so it was just an easy conversation. It wasn't very difficult. And he just bowed out. Yeah. So let's talk about when you guys did buy Amazing Fitness. Did you, were you guys sitting down, like creating a business plan? I mean, <laughs> no, I, I mean, you laugh, you laugh, but I think also a lot of people overthink things. Think we and like I think this. you guys, un- you guys no, underthought, like you yeah. probably didn't even think about doing a business plan or did you if have you, an Excel spreadsheet with you all of your expenses? That, like now <laughs> we, we just like lace up and go like you, it's nothing compared to the way we used to be. I mean, we literally were just like, all right, Monday we buy the gym, Tuesday we open. I mean, we just, we'll call whatever we want. We'll just figure it out as we go. So I just always looked at what's worst case scenario. That's always the way I looked at it. I was like, I can afford this even if we have no members. That's the way I thought about it. So <laughs> did you guys open, let's talk about just the, the, the origination of calling the gym old school gym because it was amazing fitness. I'm sure you weren't keeping that. Was that well, there, like a, a conversation? No, because there was nothing amazing about the place. It <laughs> and was there were no members. No one even knew what it was. Yeah, it was so weird. You know, I mean, like I like we talked about, this guy was basically just trying to use this as like a tax write-off or to try to launder some money or right. something. So something a little shaky. Now there's kind of some dispute about this. I remember that I picked I the name I old school. The name. Corey thinks it. I mean. He thinks he made that. I really believe it that I that I thought of it. I don't know. Do we, who we would agree to disagree? Okay, that we came up with it together. Okay, though. so then I, I'm if, down with that. We came up with it together. Okay, how did it so, was during a conversation? Okay, I believe. Gotcha. But either way, we came up with it. So. But but out of the gate, when you took over Amazing Fitness, like it was always called Old School well, Gym. It was and never. I think I think the reason we came up with that name. Just to kind of rewind a little bit to T3, like when you think of a personal training studio, it needs to be nice, right? Yeah, it's not right. hardcore. Yeah, it so, hardcore. so okay. like we would have like our time when we, we would lift it at T3 where yeah. we would like blast the rap music sure. and like get dirty and throw stuff that around. That wasn't what the place was about. The place was not about that. I mean, there was like a, fl- I remember Rachel would always keep like a, a vase full of flowers. It was we a had, personal training studio. It was a personal training gym. studio. Right. I say gym, but it wasn't. Right. And I can remember like when we went and looked at like buying old school there was a part of us at first was thinking along the lines like, how do we make this place nicer? Mm-hmm. But then we started to realize like, wait a minute, like what, that's going to be a never ending battle. This building sucks. It leaks yeah. water. It's like, it's probably a hundred years raw. old. Right. It's so raw. I was like, we need to like embrace the fact that it's old school. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how we kind of came up with the name. We're like, you know what, if we don't try to pretend like we're something we're not, because at this time, you know, we talked about going to Gold's Gym when we lived on campus. All these gyms that have been legendary back in the day, World's Gym, All Gold's changed. Gym, mm-hmm. they started trying to straddle that world of like, well, we're still this, we have this hardcore reputation, but we're going to try to be nice and appeal to everyone. Mm-hmm. Well, then you're too hardcore for the families that want to go there. You're not hardcore enough for the real weightlifters. So now you're yep. stuck in the middle. No one wants to go there yep. because you suck. So I think we were just like, you know, we just need to be all in on we're dirty. It's this is what loud. we liked anyway. Yeah. So we it was more other fit. people would like it too. <laughs> Which worked. So let's go, let's start talking about, you guys are there. It's, it's successful. You're growing memberships. How long did it take you to really get a membership following over there though? Let's be realistic for, for people that are opening their own place. Members, it took a while. Dude. Oh, at least three, three or four years. Yeah, at least. Yeah. And I mean, at first we had a good influx because all Corey's clients followed him. The ones that were at least live maybe out drive. this way. Yeah. Um, because I think a lot of them like the idea of not training at the the studio now because there were, we had more equipment there. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, so a lot of them wanted to, you know, um, they wanted to like have a mer- gym membership instead of just being at the studio. Mm-hmm. So we had a little influx from that. Then I, you know, now I'm taking it more serious. I'm doing it full time. And um, yeah, it was probably at least three or four years into it till we had 100 members. And once we had 100 members, it felt like we were bursting at the seams. It was yeah. way too busy in there. 
and I, I think and we'll go to the story of going into the current building, but going back to marketing, you were doing some radio challenges, correct? I started like, doing some radio stuff where I had these women like losing weight, crying on the air, and I was like, <laughs> you know, I was updating. Like they would, they would pick week. the winners. They were like a contest. Yeah. Yeah. Like new you, con- new you, so new, new year, year contest, and so they like. All these women would like uh, apply, and I would pick like eight or ten, like a busy, biggest loser type thing. They had to come to Pataska, so they were driving from all over the city. But you would train them for free. Train Is them that... for free. Did you then... go to the radio station with this idea, or did they? Uh, come yes, to I you? believe so. I think I went to it with it. Genius. I think because I was thinking like, all right, how can I get on the radio for free? Yeah, because again, uh, no social was, media. That was marketing. Yeah, we were, we was... were paying like an ungodly amount of money to do like mailers, like the voucher, yeah, a bunch of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So we're like, how? You know, I think you came up with the idea like I'm gonna do this free contest so we can be on the radio for free. Yeah. And it was awesome. Yeah, it was a great idea. And these women were like selling it hard because they're literally like bursting, crying. My life's different. (laughs) You know, and it was awesome. I mean, it worked really good. So once a week, I, you know, at least had a spot on the radio to talk about it. And I think it helped draw some, you know, regular people to old school gym, which was cool. And so one of your clients, um, she had lost a lot of weight with you. Her husband actually... Well, her and her husband actually own... It was your client, Dustin? Yeah, Yeah, so basically... um, I think, man, I'm trying to remember exactly what happened. So Sam Schaefer had heard, I think he had heard the radio contest mm-hmm. and his wife, Kathy, she had applied, like, but basically she didn't get picked. So I think Sam kind of looked up the gym. They lived here kind of, you know, kind of close. They had mm-hmm. a business here in Pataskla and called. And I think like Corey, like she wanted to work out in the evenings. Corey was already stacked that time. Mm-hmm. So he passed her on to me. I ended up getting mm-hmm. the trainer, even though it was kind of a lead that came in through his radio show. So uh, I started working with Kathy Schaefer. We tra- I trained her for maybe two or three years. I mean, she did awesome. She lost like 80 pounds. It was mm-hmm. like the first time she, she ever really worked good. out in her life. Yeah, she did, did excellent. And so I became you know, really close with her and her husband. And I can remember Corey like, um, saying like, hey, man, like, don't, don't they own that, that uh, Maverick Motors, that business down on 40? He's like, they have that huge building that looks like an airplane hangar there. Like, why don't you find out what's in there? And I can remember talking to Kathy and like asking her. And she's like, oh, that's what we use for storage. That was where the original... Um, the original shop, the original Maverick Motors was in there. She's like, but we built our building in like 1995 or whatever. She's like, so for the last, you know, however many years, we've just been using it for storage. And Corey like kind of kept hounding me about it as he's done several times throughout my career. Yeah, like it it always, it's funny too because it always ends up working out whether it's the eBooks or whatever, but he'll get on something about me and he won't shut up about it until I do it. You know, he'll tell me, he'll be like, good friend. Yeah. He'll be like, and I can remember saying like, D, did you talk to Kathy and see if they'll rent us that building? I'm like, like, they're not going to rent us the building, G. I'm not asking her. And so he kept hounding me. And then finally, like, I basically asked her just so he would quit so asking me about it. So you could tell him they said no. Yeah, exactly. Right? And I remember. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I was like, hey, I was like, I said, Kathy, I was like, you know, we, we need to move old school. We're like, we, this building's too small. Do you think you guys would ever consider renting your, you know, your, the, uh, the uh well the Kwanzaa hut I even yeah, know it's right. called a Kwanzaa hut, but you're the airplane hangar looking building that's on your property down there and I was expecting an immediate hard no but she just looked at me and said I'll talk to Sam tonight well Dustin had helped her lose like 70 pounds so it impacted her life to such a degree that she this is where the the payback comes right. from she wanted to help yeah so you know it really goes back to the fact that like that I helped her obviously it was my job to help her but like the fact that they would even consider it is because I'd made such a big impact on her I, I still remember like, I think maybe even right away that night, she went home and talked to him. And I think they called me and said, hey, we want to have you over for dinner tomorrow. We'd like to talk to you about it. I remember thinking, like, they're really considering this. <laughs> so I went over to, uh, went over to their house and had dinner with them. And I can still remember sitting at their table and, like, Sam telling me, like, 
you know, like you guys, you and Corey really remind me of when I was young and was real ambitious and like someone had to give me a chance and he's like, I want to be the one that gives you guys a chance, you know, and uh, we want to rent our building to you. Uh, so. And for a reasonable rate, which we had a lot of work to put in. I mean, we, we worked on it. Yeah, basically the deal was like, hey, like we're going to rent it to you dirt cheap, but you know, there's a ton of rehab that needs done. Like, like you, four cars with motors out in the front room. I mean, it was shit Yeah, there was everywhere. really no heat. The electric well, no, was bare bones no, like, minimum. Plumbing or anything in here, right? Or maybe one bathroom. There was one toilet. Yeah. That was it. Right. It was rough. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, kind of the deal was like, hey, you guys can do whatever you want. Uh, you can have the lease as long as you want. We'll rent it to you real cheap. But like, you guys are gonna do all the lifting, all the heavy yeah. work. And so then we were just like, all right, let's go. Let's go. How can we make this happen? So T three is done at that point in time though for a while. So you're just at old school. I believe Amazing. so. Yeah. Okay. And then you guys would come over here at night after you're done training and start to yeah. rehab or Yeah, so we ended up we ended up taking out a, a personal loan for like we I think we I, I remember I put together my business plan like on graph paper. Mm-hmm. Like we wrote down like how much we thought yep. we were gonna need. Mm-hmm. We really had no idea. And um, we ended up getting a, a line of credit from someone from we could we went to a bank, couldn't get any money from a bank, mm-hmm. but we had someone step up to the plate and write us a check for seventy five grand. Mm-hmm. And luckily we had some clients and some relationship with guys that were contractors and stuff. And we're like, okay, we have 75 grand. We have to essentially rehab this, you know, 6,000 square foot building mm-hmm. and buy equipment. And so we're just going to have to do basically all of it ourselves. And so we would, you know, train full time at old school and run the gym. When, whenever we were done at night, we would come over here and work for a couple hours. And then on the weekends, we would literally pull 18 hour days on Saturday and Sunday over here, whether it was like, Hey, or my buddy Tim would come and like he was an electrician. He would show us what we need to do electric wise, and then like that's he, why this light switch is wired on the wrong side <laughs> of the door. It's, it's wired on the wrong side. Yeah, of we the never door. even thought about which way the door would open, right? So we we literally learned that's how to right do there. everything. Uh, you know, Rick Ziff was a big help. Yeah, Rick was, he was awesome. a client of yours, so he would come over and help us do some of the carpentry stuff. And we we basically spent about a year doing that, just learning how to do. You know, we we laid all the tile in the bathrooms yeah. and the showers and stuff. Um, you know, we pulled work. every bit of a, even the insulation, the yellow insulation that you guys see, like in the Instagram videos and stuff. You probably look at the gym. Think, why are the, why is the inside of that hanger, that yellow insulation? Sprayed all that shit on. We sprayed every square inch of it. And the funny thing was that there was like a vapor barrier over it first. If we scraped off, we didn't know any better. We're like, we yeah. got to take that we off. We should have left it on there. We should have. Yeah, it would have been way better. <laughs> so we spent, you know, a couple months like doing just this, you know, just doing that insulation work it took forever. Oh, it, it felt like it took so, but with, with that, like, we'll call that the blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, when you guys are ready to open, you're like, this is this, this was going to be the spot for the duration. You're like, this is, you know, how were your feelings at that point in time about growing the gym? And are you at that point thinking, I'm going to, we're going to make this a destination gym or, or just a place in Columbus or just, we need more room. We just need is that, more room. We just need more room. And we and, thought we were going to open in what, uh, November. Right, right. So yeah. we were, we were getting kind of close. To having everything done, and uh, we again we paid to run an ad in like a local like shopper saver like yeah. flyer Got thing. Dollar, sh- dollar saver. Yeah, yeah. and like where they like said like, hey, we're opening the first of the year, like a new location, blah blah blah. And that like the township inspector or whatever saw that, and then they saw the dumpster out front, like the work dumpster. And I remember he came and he was like, hey, where is your work permits? Uh, we're like, what? What are you talking about? Where's your building permit? Yeah. And he uh, he he shut oops. us down that day. He put like a, a stop work order on the door. He was like. You guys can't do anything. You didn't apply for any permits. We were going to open like a couple weeks later. Yeah. 
And no, so actually, it was like, we had to pay the loan back. We started to pay the loan back. Oh, okay, right. That kicked in. Yeah, I don't think. But we were starting to pay the loan right. back, which was over a thousand dollars a month, and we had no gym. Oh, nice. So you, so Sam didn't make you pay rent though while you're rehabbing. No, I think so. he said like, hey, until you guys open the doors, you don't have to pay anything. That's like that's November. Solid. We didn't open until the following July, I think. Right, D. I think May or June. Oh, yeah, it was. That's a long. It was like six well, because then, then yeah. at that point they were like, okay, well, what changes have you made to the building? I mean, we'd already built like the wrestling room. We built the locker rooms. And so we had, to rever- we had to reverse right. engineer it and we had, like had to go hire an architect. Mm-hmm. And so they had to make changes. Like they had to put that big steel beam in the wrestling room. It wasn't there originally. Mm-hmm. Um, because th- at that point, like now, like we had to have everything up to code. We had no idea about electrical so, code. Yeah, we so where were, where were you mentally at this point in time? Were you just like defeated so, or are you just like... It was so tough. It seemed like it was like now it's like so far out of reach it's never gonna happen. Right? Were you just like every day like whatever they would come back with just try to like knock it out uh, and get it, it just taken felt care? Like it was an uphill battle, hard. I well, remember. I can remember one of the last battles we had to fight. Like we got through all of that stuff, all the permit stuff, like as far as like the actual building, and then I went to apply for the occupancy permit and they denied it. Yeah. And that. the reason they denied it is because whenever they wrote the uh, the the codes for general business in this township, like I guess when you go and look at the actual codes. It lists everything that qualifies as general business. And it had, I mean, I think it said like funeral parlor, you know, nightclub, anything you can think of except for a gym. They forgot that. that they didn't even think to put a gym in there. So they were like, well, no, you know, that's not included in general business. I'm like, I'm like, so you're telling me I could put a strip club in here, yeah. but I can't put a gym. So then I had to go to like the local Aetna township meeting. I, I can remember like wearing oh. a suit and I had to apply, like pay $400 and apply for a variance. And they're like, okay, well, you have to come like plead your case in front of the council of why we should accept your variance. And I remember going there and just thinking like that they were going to deny us. I was like almost in tears, like telling them like, we put our heart and soul <laughs> into doing this. We've done all the work ourselves and blah, blah, blah. And like pleading our case. We're going to, you know, we're going to lose our clients, you know, if we don't move to this bigger place and all this stuff. And they were just like, okay, approved. And then I realized, I'm like, no, they just wanted the 400 bucks. Yeah, right. of course. That's really what right. it was all about. Right. <laughs> you didn't have to plead the case. Right. So then you guys do all the members they come from they come from the old gym yep. like you don't lose any right they, no, they they're were all really, probably pumped and excited to for have sure the, the new and gym so here. many of them too like had kind of contributed on one way or another whether it was our you know like Rick Ziff or some of the members like they're, Tim they're all helping out they were all helping or like you know there were people that were donating equipment they or, knew we were battling to yeah. try to get this place right. out. even some of the guys that had nothing to do with helping us they would like they would know like on the weekends if they were out and about with their family, they could like stop in the building here and like see what we're up see to. See the progress. We'd be in here yeah. on, like on the lift, like hanging the electric for the fans. They'd be like, oh, what are you guys doing today? You know, mm-hmm. like people were really interested in what, you know, what we were building because we were doing it ourselves. Yeah. So, so I think, well, obviously that was a, a long storytelling uh, <laughs> session, but I think let's just, you know, circle back, round it all out of that, you know, where you guys started from, where you are today, and what's your like words of encouragement to anybody, you know, specifically wanting to open their own gym or, you know, maybe our affiliates that are out there. There was nothing easy about this. I mean, nothing. that's, I think that people, you know, just get that screwed up that, you know, it's cool to tell these stories, but think about how many times this has morphed in a different direction and, and all these hardships we went through. But I just knew like after I had the mild success which to me was if I would have never been any more successful, I already felt like I made it compared mm-hmm. to where I came from, that you just you have to expect that you're going to have to go through all that stuff we just talked about or maybe more to get there. And every time you have an adversity, there's usually a blessing on the other side if you can just make it through it. Most people just give up. It would have been so easy for us to go, 
I mean, we just pack it in it, multiple it times. It actually would have made sense for me a couple times to yeah. actually start my career as a high school teacher yeah. and then just train clients part-time after yeah, school. Right. Absolutely. You know, so I think, you know, that's, there's so many positives about social media, but I think one of the negatives is, I think it's kind of got an idea in people's heads that like, you're going to be able to build this hugely wildly successful thing overnight. And that is not how it happens. Like there was so much groundwork mm-hmm. that we had to lay, not just you know, doing the physical work, not just educating ourselves and becoming good at our craft, but also the relationships that we had to build. If we hadn't built the personal relationships with Kathy and Sam who rented us the building, you know, Rick Ziff and Tim who helped us do a lot of the contracting work, the guy who ended up writing us the check so that because we couldn't get financing from a bank, Mm -hmm. those, all of those things that had, that contributed to us being able to open old school gym it was all built on the personal relationships that we had built and none of those relationships were built with the intensive in the, the intention of oh i'm going to really help this lady kathy lose all this weight so someday they'll run a building to us mm-hmm. like that was all things that just came out of the relationship so yeah. never built anything in that way There's no never, never. Anything behind it was all out of just trying to help people and, and do our best job possible and those things just they morph over time because of the way people feel about you and i think you guys will agree with this that yes owning your own business is the hardest thing but also the most rewarding thing ever so i always thought you heard me say it multiple times that it never gets old to walk in and throw your keys on the desk and know it's yours that's it i can remember you know any time where like the you know the business would feel tough like we'll, we'll even talk about the building just because that was kind of where we ended at there but like even those days where like it sucked. I can remember us sitting out front and like eating McDonald's. We would eat like comfort food because the job sucked <laughs> yeah. so bad. Because we'd be like, all right, we, we're, we've been here working 10 hours. We still got to stay till midnight. I would like run down and get us like a couple Big Macs or something. And we whoppers. would sit out there with our feet in the mud because there was no sidewalk there yet. Yep. And we were eating. I can remember thinking like, well, as bad as this sucks, I'm still like building something for the future with my best friend. Mm-hmm. I'm That'd listening awesome. to fucking rap music right now. <laughs> and like when this thing opens... We're still going to get to do things on our terms. Yeah. You know, no one's going to be able to tell us like, hey, you can't, you can't dress a certain way here. You can't listen to music you don't want to listen to. You got to train people in a certain style. Like, we're still going to be able to do things on our own terms. Now, that's not just an automatic given that everyone gets to live their life the way they want. But like, by doing, by going through the hard times, we earned that. Absolutely. No, I. I remember thinking like this is gonna be so fucking sick if I can just get it open. <laughs> but you know, it was challenging for me because uh, really challenging because I was already having kids. Mm-hmm. I was uh, starting another business in supplements and doing this all at the same time and training clients. Mm-hmm. I was really really busy, so I was extremely and competing. I was really overwhelmed at that time. So it was it was extremely challenging. And I think so. And this is something we'll, we'll get into, you know, someday at a later date on a, on another episode, but something I think people need to realize too, is like, once we opened this gym, it wasn't just all gravy and it just grew to what we are now. Like we still, it still isn't. It was hard to pay the bills still sometimes. Yeah. And there was a time where we may be, we're maybe three or four years into it. We hit a really rough spot, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of business wise and financially where like, it actually looked like the gym was going to go under. Yep. And I'll never forget, like, I remember thinking, like, okay, what am I going to do? If the gym goes under, mm-hmm. am I still going to continue to personal train? Am I going to, like, switch to, like, a blue-collar profession? Am I even going to stay in Columbus? Like, what am I going to do? And I'll remember you coming to me and saying, D, I have a plan. And G always has a plan <laughs> at these points. And yeah. you said, and this is right around the same time when social media is starting to take off. Mm-hmm. This would have been, like, you know, maybe 2000, 2011. And I remember you telling me, like, G, here's what we're, or D, here's what we're going to do. We are gonna we are gonna make 
old school gym famous, just like West Side. Mm-hmm. People are going to know about old school all over the world. People are going to want to travel just to train here. He's like, you know, you have this experience, you know, training high level wrestlers at the time. I'd, I'd only been working with Tommy Rollins. I wasn't yep. involved with Ohio State yet. You're like, but you have this skill set. He's like, you're like, we're going to brand you as like the trainer for wrestlers. We're going to blow it up. People are going to come from all over. And that's how we're going to make the gym survive. And I can remember thinking like, okay, this doesn't seem possible. But anytime <laughs> G has brought these ideas to me, it works. I was like, all right, I'm in. So you had a, you had a business plan like you wrote on I a napkin. Knew, I, just and, knew, I just knew in my head like this is way too cool and too different that people everywhere are going to want to experience it. So I just he, thought we were fucking sweet and it was going to happen. So that so the lesson <laughs> blind there is, faith. <laughs> <laughs> you but and it basically was probably my blind faith in you because yeah. I, I remember thinking like okay this is not rational old school is not going to be famous how are people going to know like no. but again even though we'd already experienced some success to that point you had already made six figures as a trainer we still yeah. hit a point where the dream was almost over but uh, you know thanks for making me stick with it there G. I just remember <laughs> that I was like. I wasn't ready to give up on it yet. I think that, yeah, I had a, had good success. I was I was happy with that, but I was like, this I knew was personal training. The personal training studio wasn't my dream gym. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that was plain and simple. This was like that's what a lot of people don't realize about me. The other business stuff I've done, like this, is still one of my biggest successes because this is what I wanted first. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people don't realize that because of some of the other things. Maybe the gym doesn't seem as like glorious, but to me, it is. And that's what people don't know about me, I think. So that's pretty important. So <laughs> that's a great place to end. I want to thank you guys for sharing your story. I mean, it's awesome. I'm so lucky to be a part of the gym. And I know everyone's going to be very excited to listen to all of this. 